Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Sad front page making the red tops today. We're reading from the front of the mirror that a child aged 14 has now become the youngest person to die from COVID-19 in Ireland. The teenager uh, passed away last week, uh, the sixth virus victim under the age of 25. And clearly we have no further details about uh, that child or indeed um, any conditions that he or she may be suffering, apart from that's the youngest person to die of uh, COVID-19 in Ireland. In fact, uh, when you drill into the story a little bit more, of course, you'll, you'll get your daily infection. 3680 uh, but the oldest person to die from COVID in Ireland was 105 and again I know people will be listening to this and saying is it from COVID or with COVID lads I don't know uh, but the figure is 105 years of age and the average age 80. Papers then today are speculating and much of it is just that speculation as to whether there'll be some more um, uh, restrictions introduced. I mean, we did hear of uh, Tony Hoolan saying he was in favour of COVID passes for hairdressers and gyms. He said he would be in favour of gyms and hairdressers being asked, asking and only allowing people in uh, with uh, with COVID passes and what have you. Uh, he said the more we can assure that measures like these are in place, the better. Uh, but meanwhile, Stephen Donnelly is saying, well, well, we're not talking about that and we're not talking either about imposing a rule that people have to go and work from home, although they are saying at the same time, and that's the confusion, they are recommending if all possible, and certainly Nefidar, that people, if they can work from home, should work from home. We all know of the health message of um, reducing your discretionary contacts, you know, which really is code for cut back on the socialising. Uh, but we're not going back. Uh, that's what the senior cabinet members are saying on the front of the mail today. There's no going backwards, they're saying, with regards to COVID-19 restrictions, despite what Tony Hoolan is saying, and despite the recommendations of uh, Neffet. And it doesn't suit everybody, actually, um, working from home. According to the Times UK, the London Times says, particularly women who work from home, they're at risk of falling behind in their careers uh, because there are two tracks in career paths, men and women, they say. And for women, there's added difficulty working from home because they still have difficulty in accessing childcare. Uh, so therefore, and even the, you know, disruptions, the toing and froing to school, kids in, kids out, kids isolating, kids close contact, all that kind of stuff, you know, home with a sniffle, means that many women have an awful lot more to juggle in the home um, while working from home and rearing families and rearing kids. So that's kind of understandable when they put it like that. But will there or won't there be a Christmas party uh, for uh, companies and businesses? Um, I honestly don't know, but the mail this morning are saying uh, that some of the bigger players in this country, like PwC, PricewaterhouseCooper, they have uh, cancelled uh, and issued a directive yesterday saying they're cancelling the Christmas party. And even companies like Apple and KPMG are unsure at this point whether their Christmas festivities will go ahead or not. So who knows? Um, of course, there was uh, no goals last night in the Ireland-Portugal match, but there was a winner and his name is Addison Whelan. He makes all the papers because he made a beeline for the Man U striker, Cristiano Ronaldo, last night. And Ronaldo, um, it's the only time I think they're telling me that he wasn't booed on the pitch because every other time he got the ball, apparently he was. But he certainly wasn't booed when he stripped off the shirt and gave it to Addison Whelan. It's a lovely story with some great colour shots making the papers today. Just as we were coming off air yesterday morning, uh, we heard of the news of the 27-year-old man, Vadim Vesti from Formoy. He's been charged now with sexually assaulting a female uh, last week in St. Coleman's Park in Formoy. Now, he's a Moldovian national, but 
but he also has Romanian citizenship and he's living here in Fromoy. Uh, and that lady was sexually assaulted. The allegation is that he sexually assaulted her while out walking her dog in the park in the county Cork town over the weekend. Uh, the papers this morning, and I have it from both the Echo and indeed the Examiner carry it, but the Mirror also drill into uh, the allegation in further details. The court was told that the middle-aged woman was pulled to the ground uh, from behind. And these are allegations now, as this is a charge and an allegation. Nothing more than that at this point in time. He's been remanded in custody and will appear by video link on the 18th. But uh, that she was pulled to the ground from behind in an unlit part of the walkway. She was punched in the face with her attacker then kneeling on her body, punching her in the face. A woolly item was put into her mouth. My apologies for the hour of the morning or even talking about this at any time of the day because it's horrific. So a woolly item was put in her mouth. The man then allegedly placed his hand up under her skirt. I won't say any more than that. Uh, The victim kicked and fought back with her attacker, placing his hand on her mouth and damaging her mouth and lips. She scraped the face and hands of her assailant and it was at that stage that two members of the public heard her cries for help and the man fled the scene. In other news in the papers today, of course, in the life and times that we live in, the cost of living continues to rocket. It's higher now than it has been in the last 14 years. And in fact, the mirror, or the mail, I should say, breaks down some of the costs that you probably have or maybe have not noticed that have gone up. Now, we all know that petrol and diesel has gone up by at least 25%, possibly even more. But bread's gone up by nearly 3%. So coffee and tea and bread and cereals, uh, rents being paid, of course, have gone up 6 to 8%. Imagine at this stage now, it's probably 6 to 8% every six months. Uh, electricity all gone up, gas, all sorts of different fuels for the home, at least 25%. They really break it down in the papers today, the cost of living. And, you know, when you add it all up, you will be feeling the, pun- the, uh, the, the pinch. Uh, and the Echo's been doing some lovely cor- cor- corner shop features uh, on a weekly basis. And you can catch up on all of the back stories with uh, Chris Dunn at echolive.ie. There's well, the lovely ones from, you know, corner shops in Crosshaven and Fountainstown. Mitchellstown, Fromoy, Ballycotton and lots more besides um, and everybody loves a bit of nostalgia and I enjoyed reading every particular one of them but in particular a friend of mine, Charlie Murphy Morning Charlie, how are you all Charlie? Down at Murphy's Food Store in Black Rock The great Charlie Murphy and all of the Murphy family, that was on uh, the Echo during the week, I often, often have a a bit of a razz with Charlie whenever I see him down in the in the shop because it's also the petrol station because he's surrounded by chocolates and he's surrounded by sweets and in the summertime ice creams and I always admire um, you know his uh, resilience to stay away from them because Charlie Murphy loves his chocolates <laughs> so morning to them all down there uh, oh and finally do you know how it was going on yesterday about the celebrations box and the hero box and uh, the poor old bounty which is my favourite Apparently the son must have been listening because they drill into the type of person you are depending on the kind of sweet that you like from the Quality Street or the Roses or the Celebrations and the Heroes. So I actually, because I'm a bounty lover, I am an independent thinker who rarely follows the crowd. Huh? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's what you all want to be, isn't it? But you're not, you see. But I am an independent thinker who rarely follows the crowd. Um, 
I'm going to be asking people here for their favourite sweet. So think about that, lads, and we'll come back to it in a, in a few minutes' time. From the Heroes Box, the Celebrations, the Quality Street, or the Roses. And I'll tell you what kind of a person you are. So stand by for that. The Neil Prenderville Show. I'll also be coming back to the cost of things. Um, not just the food, and but, you know, petrol and diesel and stuff like that. But the price of a night out, because we got an awful lot of texts on that, which I want to drill through. But yesterday... It was incredible, the calls yesterday, following my conversation with Aka Valenga, who's beautiful, ma'am, beautiful mum, died uh, and took, well, the choice of going and dying with dignity um, back in her own hometown in the Netherlands. Euthanasia was the topic yesterday. Uh, lots of calls from people, an awful lot of texts and emails, quite uh, quite emotional. And I will come back to some of those across the morning. But um, my conversation with Aka Valenga yesterday prompted many calls, including one particular listener who lost her beloved husband, and he was only 35 years of age. Caught up with her yesterday uh, to hear her story, uh, and she says her opinion on euthanasia has completely changed following her husband's diagnosis and death. Have a listen. Up to my husband being diagnosed with um, motor neuron disease, um, it's not that I didn't, I wasn't in like a staunch no, but... I would never have thought that I would have agreed to that, if if you know what I mean. I, I, I never, I suppose, if if unless you're in that situation yourself, you know, you, you can kind of say whether something is wrong or right. But I do remember about two months after my husband was diagnosed, we were watching a program about euthanasia, and um, my husband kind of looked at me. At that time, he was still physically quite well. And he still had speech and stuff, um, which he later lost. Mm. But um, he said to me, he was like, I go there. It was about a man who actually had more neuron as well. And he was going to Switzerland. And um, his wife seemed to be, not that she wasn't against it. And she was, you know, she was supporting him in his, in his choice. Decision. But I could tell, yeah, I could tell from the programme how upsetting it was. But the programme was over anyway and he looked at me and he was crying and he said, I, I do that. And I actually, I, I, I gave a shite to him. I, I really did. And I, I said he was selfish and how could he leave me and the kids? And I was so angry with him because looking at him, he was well and he was, it was still him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, and I said, how could he even think of doing this yeah. to me? And um, What did he say to that? On, I mean, did he say something along the lines of, there may come a point when I won't be like this and I will be worse? And yeah, be and, he was, and he was, and he was saying that to me and I was kind of saying to him, you don't know that I could have you here for another 10, 15 years. No one knows how fast you're going to go or, you know, how it's going to take hold of your body and, you know, because we didn't at that time know, you know, at that time he would have just had um, some weakness in the left-hand side of his body and, you know, he wasn't bad, bad. You know, he, yeah. he kind of was dragging his foot a wee bit, but not, you know, he was still him. Um, so I kind of, I was, oh, I was so angry. What am I going to shock him like? And, yeah. and he was saying to me, you know, I would, I do, I do it. And I was saying, what, what about the boys? And, you know, it, the conversation ended and I, I remember going to bed and I was still fuming with him. So he couldn't even think to do that. And then as the, you know, two and a half years kind of went on, and he lost everything. I mean, he my my big fifteen stone man ended up 
been four and a half stone. Oh and my God, it's progressive. He, and, yeah, I know. I know. It was, and it was really fast. And after about a year, he lost his speech. He couldn't talk. And he had to, um, the only way he could communicate with us was um, through an eye gaze. So he had a computer propped up in front of him. So he'd have to type like with his eyes because wow. he had no movement from the neck down. And it was absolutely horrific because of course his power of thought and thinking and brain activity is is fine fine. that's what I'm saying absolutely fine if anything he got more you know he was always such a joker and you know he uh, the big messer and everything and like we're together since we were kids and you know he was just always that kind of way whereas when he he when he lost all of that, he became really kind of in depth. Like everything was real. His conversations weren't messing anymore, and he'd type out these things to tell me. And you know, it was it was it was horrific, absolutely oh horrific. And then what the boys were put through as well, our kids, and you know, it because he, you know, especially kind of the last maybe nine months of his life. He was completely um, bedridden. Up to that point, you know, I'd maybe be able to get him into a chair, you know, and get him around and stuff. But he was kind of in the bed, so he developed really bad sores. And, and um, oh. he was in a, a really in a lot of pain. And I'd be saying to the kids, you know, I'd be saying to my older boy, keep, keep your little brother in there because... You know, you know, Daddy. I have to do this for Dad. You know, like maybe changes his wounds and stuff. And it was tough because Robert didn't want. And he was not. He didn't want a carer. Thirty-four, maybe thirty-five years old. At that stage, he was about thirty-four, thirty-five. Yeah, he he died when he was thirty-five. And were there, you know, after that show that he watched of the man with motor neurons who went to Switzerland to Dignitas? Yeah. Did did you ever did did you ever pick up that conversation in the subsequent three three and a half years again? No, I didn't because I was so afraid, I think, of losing him. You know, I was kind of, I think, being selfish that I didn't want to deal with him not being here anymore or the kids having to deal with losing their daddy. And I kind of just, I was on, I felt on a treadmill for them, them few years with Robert because, like I said, he, he didn't, he didn't want carers and stuff. So um, I was his carer, and it was just me. So you did everything for him, but also had to watch the one you love in in daily agony. There was agony, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was agony. Like even I know at the end, he was put on like in the on the morphine pump, and I remember they they came in palliative care and and they put the pump in and. I remember she called out later on that day, and she was like, "Well, you know, on a scale of one to ten where are you now because he had been in so much pain and I remember he, he typed up on his machine um, feeling good I'd say I'm at a six and she was like no pet like you're supposed to be at a zero but because his pain had been so, so bad severe, yeah. that, that bit of morphine had given him a relief but only to a six like he I was know. still in absolute agony what an like, incredible it was, man it was, yeah what a, oh, what he a was, brave, and he fought, man. and he and he did and he fought so hard like he at the end and you know he and I know he didn't want to leave us I know that you know and he and he loved he loved me and he loved our kids and and he didn't want to leave us but you know his body he he it just gave up everything just started to fail and but I just say for all of that for for them extra few months of pure agony like why you know I know I know you know there, I I'd say there would have re- reached a time through his illness that maybe I can kind of pinpoint it at a time I'd say it was nearly he died in the July and I'd say the September beforehand was when things got really bad with Robert. 
and he ended up in um he ended up in the hospital and at that time i thought that that was kind of it it, anyway you know he, he he ended up with an infection and his blood went all funny and you know they kind of said you know this could be you know it's going to get bad and I think that was his time and yet it wasn't because he, he, he lived on until the July but they were they were not good months for no, him they I know. just really know. weren't you and were know, you and able to communicate even with uh, the eye screen and that oh yeah oh god the, and I think end. like I said we were together like I said since we were kids I, I think I could actually I knew what he was nearly thinking He sometimes he wouldn't even have to finish writing what he was going to write because I knew I, I knew his needs I knew what he wanted you know what I mean by just kind of looking at him and, and him looking at me but it just it changed him completely and I, I look back now and I, I'd have to kind of remind myself don't think about him like that yeah. you know I have to I have to remember him as the big larger than life kind of yes. fella you know accentuate the positive memories yeah yeah. yeah. and, do, and when, yeah. You, when you look back at your reaction which you believe was a selfish reaction at the time you've had a yes. complete flip now because you went through the complete, experience of what you went through complete flip yeah. like absolutely I wish sometimes I could have gone back to that and I, and I know I remember saying though at the time that you would actually leave this country and go there and I'd end up having to come back with you with your ashes and explain it to the kids that you were gone we were going somewhere on a plane and coming back and you're not here yeah but you weren't to know then that you were looking at it through the eyes of you and your kids and not his I wasn't to know no and I know that but I just think if that was available here there could reach a point that you'd say do you know what I've had enough now and it wouldn't you're taking all that stress of having to go somewhere out of it do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's why it's important that we have to hear from people who have been through these journeys, these heartbreaking yeah. journeys, because w- w- it's impossible for like us to I walk would, in your shoes. Yeah, and I would have loved, like for, like I said, for months before that, maybe like Robert didn't have his his death was still, you know, it was it was lovely. It was in his bed, and and I lay beside him, and the kids lay beside him, and you know, he he slipped away that way. But the lead up to that, the weeks and months of absolute heartbreaking watching him that way would have been done with. We could we could still have had that moment where we were together, the four of us, and yeah. we still had our hugs and we told him how much we loved I him. Know. And, you know, know, but know. he wouldn't have had to have gone through all of that. The end would have the, been... It was, the, yeah. the end still would have been the same. He, the end was, was inevitable, of course, but you're saying yeah. you would have been able to take that chapter out of it. I understand. Yeah, and exactly. how, how are you and, coping now, such a young woman with a young family? Yeah, like I'm okay. I just kind of have to get on with things, and I've still two kids to get up every morning for school and go to work, and you know I have to do all these yeah, things. But it's it's hard, you know. It's it's like it should that shouldn't have been the way. It that that's not how way. our life was supposed to be played out, you know. But yeah. it was, and that's you know. But I just think if he had have had some level of control over. It, you know, I know. No, he had. To, he did have control, and I'm not going to say like he. You know, there was times like hospital appointments. He was he was a devil as well. Like you know, he'd refuse to go places. He just put his foot down. No, I'm <laughs> not going. And you know, he was very. And that was like the whole way through. Yeah. If he didn't want something done. Yeah, he would type up on his yoke like he had no shame. <laughs> he tell like nurses and stuff out straight. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. no, like leave. I don't want to see her, yeah, or yeah, I don't is... want this done, or I don't yeah. want. You know, he was very much in control. But the one thing that I think he would have liked to have controlled more was how he went, and he and he had no control over that. I know, that that's I know, that's I know, heartbreaking. I know. But yeah, for someone who would have been very, you know, I I 
not that I, I kind of, and I did, I did say he was selfish for even thinking to do that to me and the kids and everything, but it was actually me being selfish, wanting him here, keeping him like that. I wonder, did you, did you write, you know, did you write that? Did you, did you say that to him at any stage? Yeah, like, and I did, and, and I, and I'd say here now, I, if I could have kept him for another 10 years, I would have continued doing what I had to do. Like, I, and I would have, because I loved him. Yeah. I do love him, but it was it's him I, I always have to kind of think of him and you know I was the one that was running around I know that and I was doing all these things but he ha- he was the one that had to lay there and, and see me doing them things and seeing the kids upset and seeing and he had no control of that yeah and but it, don't, I don't think you I, should underestimate your contribution either in fairness to you no. oh no and I don't and I, and I no and I know that and, and you know yeah. and I yeah. But like that, you you, you you do these things for the people you love. You That's do. just how it is. And he you would do. have done it for me, and I know that. But yeah. I just, you know, I, I do have to think of, you know, I think of him sometimes, how hard that was for him. You know, it's absolutely... Cruel. Horrific. Cruel. You know, it's cruel. Yeah. Ah, pure cruel. You yeah. know, it's... You know, and I... But yeah, that that's my... That's kind of my take on things. Listen, thank you so much for sharing your story, upsetting and all as it was. Um, He sounds as if he was, as you describe him, my lovely husband. He was that and a lot more besides. So thanks for taking the call. Oh, he really was, yeah. Thank you so much. Look after yourself and the kids. Yeah, no bother. Thanks a million. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And as well as everything else, it's a free food Friday today because it's Friday. So we have pizza to give away. It'll feed up to 15 of you. We're looking at the very large pizzas of your choice now with the garlic bread and the potatoes and the drinks and dips and desserts and all sorts of lovely, lovely food from Oak Fire Pizza, real wood fire pizza. If you're buying and getting pizza or ordering it, uh, order some Oak Fire Pizza from Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, Gillaby Street and Douglas Village. Check them out online oakfirepizza.ie. So, text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106 and we'll do loads of shout-outs between now and a quarter to midday and pick a winner and up to 15 of you will be maybe you're back at work, maybe you're working from home, maybe there's not 15 of you you can share it with the business next door, whatever you like yourself. Uh, text who you are and where you are to 0868 Uh, 104-106 and we'll come back to it later texts on yesterday's program particularly my conversation with Ake Valenga Um, thank you for covering this very emotive topic it was a great piece, I really liked the coverage on assisted dying it wasn't easy to listen to Ake Valenga's mother's story but it was very informative Uh, don't kid yourself Neil euthanasia has been happening in Ireland all along but it's been unofficial and you're only fooling yourself if you think otherwise, a few relatives of mine were effectively euthanized Uh, when God calls us we go but not before that God is in charge not us Jesus didn't run away from his pain and suffering he suffered and he died for us so why not suffer for him and he will help us through it it's better to have a chance of heaven than ending up in hell where the pain will never end says another texter Uh, well done on this topic it's a subject that should be dealt with more and it should be about choice you dealt with it sympathetically and still showed the advantages of doing it said Connor absolutely no words listening to Aka Valenga only in tears here listening to the strongness of that woman well if Aka was strong just think how strong her mother actually was text 0868104106 on that pick up the phone if you wish now can I just acknowledge before I go back to the cause that there is a protest taking place this morning as we speak at Glanmire Community College apparently it involves students from first year all the way up to sixth year Uh, I'm being told that upwards of 
200 students are protesting outside Glanmire Community College. Um, they are claiming or alleging uh, racism. Uh, I know no more about than that. The uh, principal isn't taking calls this morning um, and doesn't have to, so I can't clarify it with the with the principal. We've been referred elsewhere, so if I can get an update on that, I will. Seamus Whelan is travelling uh, to Glanmire Community College at the moment to see what the story is. I'm not in a position to put any of the students on air just yet until I get a, an actual handle on what the protest is about. I think it may involve the suspension of a couple of, of students. So more on that throughout the course of the morning. But our lines were open. Text 0868104106. One short text that I did reference yesterday was Miroslava's text where she says, I was class, I was class terminally ill in 2018, but I'm still alive. Um, and she joins me by phone. Miroslava, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Cork. Hello from Lake District, England. Oh, lovely, jubbly, listening overseas. Well done. So what's that story about being terminally ill in 2018 and three years later, still alive? Yeah, I'm still alive. I'm still here. As uh, you were quoting there, some of your uh, listeners, God decided me to stay longer. (laughs) Why? Why? What was the what was the classification? Was it cancer? I have had a cancer stage four into my esophageal pipe. And, Your esophagus, uh, is it? Your throat? My esophagus, my, my esophagus okay. yes, down close, close to my stomach. So I suffered a complete dysphagia. So no water intake, no food intake for about two months. Uh, and I was classed like a patient that is uh, just needing a palliative care. Uh, so that's so what the that's what the advice given to you or your family was it that that it was that, it was know, hopeless. Pa- I attended in Barrow Hospital uh, here in England, and um, I, I was given very little chances of survival. Just palliative care to manage pain. To manage pain, unfortunately, my scenario, I didn't have any pain. Sometimes the inner organs don't cause any pain. You can have the cancer, but it might not cause you any kind of um, uh, pain. Okay. Did, and did okay. they give you? Did they? Did you give? Did they give you, or did you ask for a time, like how long you had? Were you told? Oh, I've asked, I've asked how much approximately. So they gave me about six months. Okay. Okay. Because I wanted to to get my life sorted. You know, uh, if you're gonna go away from this world, you would like to get things sorted, like your property, your uh, bank account, your job, your friends. Say goodbye to whoever you want. And what's that like? Did you start to do that? I started doing that. I've organized everything for saying uh, goodbye to this world. But unfortunately, in my in my scenario, as I said. Um, they given they've given me some chemotherapy which uh, absolutely worked perfectly well, and uh, regardless, I'm class terminal ill for three years for sure. I'm still here, and they're probably going to take this off me now on the uh, 17th of November. I'm meeting my oncologist, and she's going to greet me with my surviving and just uh, grant me live on. So, she, when you meet your specialist or your oncologist next time, you will be declassed terminally I ill. Will be Yes, correct. What's it like then, um, you know, when you're told you have six months? Uh, firstly, you have to deal with that emotionally, mentally. Emotionally, yes, mentally and emotionally. It's um, a very specific time when you're absolutely on your own and you do understand how insignificant a lot of things in your life are, actually. Right. Yeah. 
But yeah. you can you can just tell what was important and what was not important. And this is the time when, personally for me, I've kind of uh, became more spiritual, more um, into what I think, uh, what I feel, what I hear. Even say your own voice is your best friend in this time, mm. your own voice in your head. And did you did you start to have conversations of goodbye with family and friends? Oh, definitely. I've said goodbye to all family, friends, and uh, everybody was aware because I didn't want to take them by surprise if I'm just uh, gone and they're just having a call. Were they difficult conversations, though? Well, for for me personally, no, because this is the, the way my mind works. I'm very... Uh, strong-minded, but for people that I spoke to, I had to be a little bit more gentle with how I'm serving the information. So did you get lots of different types of reactions then when you were saying, listen, I've only got a few months to live? Yeah, some people were very um, stressed from it, uh, couldn't react at all. Others were fine with it and they supported me and believed that I will go over it no matter I'm uh, given a very bad prognosis. So... Some people were in denial and said, no, nah, that'll never happen, is it? Yes, that's correct. They were right. They were very right. <laughs> right, they were right. So when, when did the penny start to drop uh, that, hang on a second, you know, maybe I'm not going to die? I suppose when you pass the six-month mark anyway, yeah? When I've got my first scan after the, the three months time of taking the chemotherapy and they, to their surprise, they just said, oh, it's all gone. So why tell somebody at all then how long they have to live? Exactly. I remember the, the moment the Macmillan sister, the nurse came and she said, I have to make a conversation with you. Yeah. Yeah. So she was so upset giving me the news because she said, you're a young person. At the time I was 41. She said, you're a young woman. There's still so much life ahead of you and you can do so many things. And she started crying. She went upset. So I had to support her. So I didn't have actually time in this moment to focus on the news she was giving me because I was focused on supporting her being upset of giving me the news. So you were comforting the nurse who had to give you the bad news, not the other way around. I ended up comforting her and I remember telling her, listen, look at the positive side. I said, I'm going to be an absolutely marvelous and beautiful body in the coffin because I'm still young and preserved. So she started laughing a little bit so that eased her in this moment. I know it sounds a stupid joke, but... Uh, no, it does not. Not far way. from it. It was my way of coming out of the situation, getting her like more cheerful, not crying and upset. But she did ultimately give you the news, though, did she? She gave me the news, yeah. 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 She gave me the news. I've spent uh, these two months in this palliative ward and uh, I've witnessed a lot of people passing by uh, from the cancer. And some of them indeed were grabbing life and they wanted to leave regardless the, the numerous operations and uh, the pain they were feeling, they, they, they wanted to leave. As there was other patients which did not want to leave without the quality of life. They didn't want the pain anymore. They couldn't stand the pain. Yes. And they wanted just more and more painkillers and obviously they just wanted to go faster. Yes. Just to end the pain. So the, the question about the euthanasia... So some, some me, fought and others had had enough, yeah. 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 For me, it's a matter of how much pain does the patient get from, from living and being held alive. So what's the quality of life that and, he's having? And, and how is the mindset of the patient? Because some people get their, they lose their mind in this uh, time. So can they make a proper judgment themselves? Before it's too mind? late, yeah. 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 Yeah, where their mind is gone, but the pain isn't. 
but the pain isn't exactly and then the decision usually is made by the loved one and within the well no it, it isn't you can't that's the that's the whole thing it must be your decision at a time when you're cognitive enough to make that decision you know exactly so that's why i'm saying like we know people that are with a brain dead situation oh yes but that's yeah for that's, example but yeah and that's a very similar like the same situation is happening with patients that are in severe pain, especially when the metastasis has gone up to the brain and that person is no more the same person at all. Yeah, one is so active and one is passive. Now, the passive would be where life support would be withdrawn or a feeding tube taken away. I don't want to sound overly morbid, but, you know, that's in the event of, of, of brain death and what have you, or, or, you know, long-term coma with no chance of coming back. Did you... Did you at any stage then within that terminal diagnosis think of dignitas or dying with dignity? Yeah. Yes, I did. And uh, my idea was that if, if I go to this stage where, where the metastasis is giving me pain and it's taking my mind away, I was probably going to just uh, abuse the, um, the morphine or the, the painkiller. Was that, you had, you had your mind made up, had you? What was in my mind, yeah, what, what I have been thinking and going through. Okay, okay. That was the plan then. To, o- to overdose on painkillers. So myself on painkillers or morphine or whatever is given to, from the doctors to me uh, for, for my pains and just uh, stop it uh, before it yeah. stop, the, stop it before I uh, die. Yeah, yeah. You're very matter of fact. Are you like that about your life in general? Yeah, yeah. Very black and white. You plan things. You unfortunately, sometimes it's not a good uh, thing because I don't have a, a good grey area. I'm either white or black, as yeah, you said. Yeah, but none of that had to happen because you just got better and better. I just yeah, I got better and better to a, to a complete surprise. Like uh, my oncologist is actually having me as an example because this type of cancer has only thirteen percent survival rate till five years. The condition that I was in has 13% chances of surviving. Miro, the miracle girl then. Exactly. Wow, what an incredible story. Okay, well listen, thanks so much for sharing. I want to give hope to some people that are told that they're terminally ill. Please do not always believe because at the end it's in the hands of God and it is your own body. What can your own body do and help and fight? I, I know I just often wonder about people who are given a timeline because I've spoken to many people on the air who, who either were given it they were given a timeline or a loved one was and it was way too short or it was way too long you know it's exactly you know. yeah, yeah. how so can you tell the day I personally I've just ignored it I okay. put it on a shelf the news okay okay stay listening Miroslav and stay in touch alright yeah, take care, Neil. You and, too. Uh, have a lovely day yourself. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye, Miroslava from the UK. one 850 Text 0868 The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Okay, um, just to call this side of uh, 10 o'clock on assisted death and uh, the topics of the, or the topic of the last day. Jar, good morning. Morning, Neil. Thank you so much for holding. I know you've been there a while, but uh, it's important to hear your story. Or indeed, your story with your with your lovely wife, um, because some people have been saying that when it gets near the end, that, that the morphine dose or the painkiller dose is upped to help people to pass. Medical profession would say that's not the case. But what's your own story? Yeah, well, that was certainly the case with Christine um, on the Friday. Uh, the palliative care rang at nine, and she was, you know, she was in a bit of pain. 
And uh, she took the call and uh, took the phone to the bathroom and she came back totally disorientated. And um, uh, I, I, I rang the palliative care again and they came out and, and gave her a jab. And it uh, eased the pain for a while, but 11 a.m., uh, she was so excruciating that I had to get Dr. O'Brien, her doctor, and, and uh, he came and gave her a jab. All right, well, I mean, I don't want to go into the personal details of yeah, any uh, GP yeah. or medic or what have you, but um, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to put you on hold for a moment there before you go any further, because if it becomes specific about medics and things like that, uh, it'll cause problems for me. I mean, you're saying something about it. You're, you, could we, and, and, come, uh, she died two days later, so, you know, when it, when it, uh, right. you know, okay. But I, I, I can't make sense out of it. But, but, yeah, but had uh, she, did she, was she, was she in advanced stages of pancreatic cancer? She was, uh, yeah. yeah uh, she had four years, uh, 2012. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. 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 She was diagnosed and she had the chemo and the radiation and everything else. And, and, uh, you know, we went on holiday and trying to, you know, she was kind of, uh, she was okay for a while, you know, uh, uh, and the time it does, she's just coming, the cancer is probably the worst person you can get, uh, one of them anyway, you know, and, and um, yeah, I know. When it's advanced, uh, when it hits yeah. the organs, I know. I up for the call, and it's not easy because her anniversary was just three weeks ago. We were talking one year together, and, and you know, we, we, kind of a joyful life. You know, we, we were very compatible. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, you know, she saved my life in 2010, actually. How? Oh. Um, I, I had excruciating pain in the back of my shoulders, you know, and I thought, oh, well, it's, you know, just, you because know, uh, I know the left arm and the chest, etc. But this, I thought, would pass, you know, but. I collapsed on the floor uh, upstairs, and, and uh, I um, she went over to the surgery. There was a surgery across the road, and the doctor there said uh, I wasn't on his medical uh, card panel. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, my own doctor got uh, an ambulance to the south of family, and uh, during the consultation, the doctor called the nurses. Uh, get an ambulance immediately, this man is getting a heart attack. Crikey. You know, so it was and you would have ignored it, would you? I was ignoring it, you know, like, uh, I was never, uh, you know, I was never a man to really worry about it, but I just thought, you know... Uh, that it would pass, you know. It pass, yeah, and um, I forced into that particular day of uh, the COH, I was rusted the COH, and the following day, three stints, that's seven stints. And, and, uh, My God, you were walking time bomb. No, no, and, uh, well, you know, thank God that your wife intervened. Mother of God. Really all right. Um, okay. Door, All right. It's not a great. It's it's not a great phone line, Jar. I don't mean to be unkind to you, but it's difficult to make out what you're saying. But we covered a lot of ground then, nonetheless. And thank you for it. I'm sad to hear about your wife, but uh, her intervention certainly certainly saved your life. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can get involved in the conversation. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. But following on from what we were talking about yesterday, unfortunately, it's the c word. Um, and uh, you know the. 
possibility of going back into some form of uh, lockdown or restrictions. Of course, the cabinet and the government are saying no, but Neffet have another agenda and they're going to talk about it later this week, apparently, or pardon, pardon me, early next week. People will go into lockdown themselves as many people already are staying home as COVID continues to spread like a bushfire due to the lack of leadership by government says Jerry. Um, can you ask your listeners, what do they think? Um, I'm working in a big company. If you are fully vaccinated and you're a close contact, you come to work until you have symptoms. This is HSC guidance. What do people make of that one? Regarding COVID in schools, why don't they close the schools in the winter? Keep them open through the summer. Makes perfect sense to me. Give two weeks off in the summer for holidays, but the rest of it? Stay in school. Um, I suppose that's to do with the seasonality of viruses and the uh, the peaks and troughs of COVID. We have kept our son out of school every time he has symptoms, but every time he gets back to 100% and we send him back in, he becomes ill again within three days and we end up keeping him out again for another period of time. He is basically in school now every second week because parents and adults, we cannot get our heads around this pandemic and the direction this country is going. Uh, please don't give up my details, but the conversation yesterday made my blood boil. I work in a Cork hospital and the people in hospital are mostly vaccinated. Why are people trying to spread untruth, saying it's mostly unvaccinated? This is simply not true. Let's see who society will blame when they can't blame the unvaccinated anymore, when the cases and hospital numbers are still rising, even though unvaccinated are not allowed to socialize. We're heading down an incredibly slippery slope here, and I can understand how people cannot see that. at this. I can't understand why people can't see it at this stage. Interesting on that point that you make, actually, because uh, the latest stats that I got, and these are the official ones you claim them that you claim that they're lies is that there are 83 in ICU and that half of those are unvaccinated so over 40 of them in ICU unvaccinated I don't know how many in hospitals are unvaccinated but there are 551 with COVID related issues in hospitals would it be fair to say that half of those are also unvaccinated 83 they say in ICU half of them unvaccinated and that and that 50 percent actually represents a tiny population base of about 200,000 people the other 50 percent represent the other 4.8 million i hope you can follow the maths talk to neil prenderville now 1851-04106 red fm free food friday 15 of you will be fed with pizza from oak fire pizza morning to everybody at dairy gold accounts payable to the snas at ballygarvan national school to everybody working for ams on sarsfield road a hungry bunch that share with the business next door o'connell court in toker the staff and the residents there elite val- elite valeting mobile service foley's plumbing and electrical impala duff murphy's transport and ballinlock are listening vision contracting team on the metal model farm road are on board Gillian uh, Fitzgerald and everybody at Middleton Garda Station very hungry Gardy apparently at Middleton Garda Station she says ESI and Don Kettle uh, everybody at Customware and Donnybrook Hill Mirror Mirror Hair Salon and Mayfield Fields Pharmacy on the Grand Parade Listener Bryn Engineering in Mitchellstown Gate Child Care in Little Island and the Ard Fallon Late Night Pharmacy are all listening this morning keep the shoutouts coming text 0868104106 who you are and where you are Hey it's Dave join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. 
Text the Neil Prendeville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and oakfarpizza.ie. So up to 15 of you will be fed. Keep those texts coming. Text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106. Today's a big day with regards to our Michelle the Jewelers giveaway. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday we were giving away 250 euro vouchers. Today... Friday, heading into the weekend, it's 1,000 euro. 1,000 euro voucher. There will be one winner. Two of you will come on in the air. I just have the diamond cards, just the diamonds from the deck of cards. Whoever gets the highest diamond card, and of course, as always, in this game, diamonds are top cards. Uh, sorry, I should say that the ace is high. The ace is the top card. So whoever gets the highest diamond wins a 1,000 euro voucher, courtesy of ourselves and Michelle, the jewellers, celebrating 60 years of business in Cork. So you're listening out for this cue to call, not now, but later this morning. Diamonds are forever. They are all I need to please me. All right, a thousand euro voucher courtesy of ourselves and Michelle, the jewellers. That and lots more besides. Now, uh, I want to talk to David, the most extraordinary story from the city during the week. David, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. As you said in your original email, where does it all end um, with regards to drugs and drug taking and overdosing? Uh, But tell us the story. This is, you were on the laneway between uh, St. Peter and Paul's and, and Paul Street, that laneway there, isn't it? That's correct, yeah, yeah. So I, I work with on post and I was down doing a, a collection there in Boots. So their entrance into their stores is kind of three quarters of the way down there on the left hand side. So Right, I, and that and laneway made, actually is a laneway yeah, up over it yeah. would be the Paul Street car park. That's that's exactly it, yeah. Okay. All right. So Go ahead. I, I went in and made contact with the, the, the people inside in Boots, so they open up the doors and I'm waiting for to collect uh, the parcels. So as I was standing inside the doorway, I was just looking out at the wall uh, of um, the, the side of what would be Tesco and uh, the car park. Yeah. And there was this lady was approaching from left to right, and as she was walking uh, towards or walking past the doorway, she had a child in the buggy and uh, pushing along, and instantly something fell out of the sky and hit the the hood of the um, the buggy. And she stopped immediately. I walked out and we were looking around to see what was happening. And we looked up to see was there anything else coming down. Of course. Uh, I looked down on the floor and I seen a spoon, uh, a grey spoon, but it wasn't like your normal spoon at all. It was like a, a medicine type spoon. That's right. And she she got up, uh, she, she looked around and she was kind of agitated. So she just left straight away. But she said she was okay. So she walked off and I continued to look around, but constantly looking up as well. And what I noticed was that there was uh, a needle there and also it was like a, a sterile bottle of saline or something. That's small, it. Small little yeah. thing, yeah. probably, yeah. On, the, on the floor. So I was, I was baffled. So um, like that then, just the, the doors opened of the emergency doors coming out of Tesco and there was a carpenter working there. And I was speaking to him and I showed him that and he was like, jeez, that's mad. So he instantly phoned the security guard that he works with within Tesco and they came over and they were looking around the area and the security guard made a phone call. You um, said it fell from the sky, but clearly it yeah, fell from yeah. the top oh, of the car park. 100%. What I was looking at is, I was saying, there was no gaps. As you're looking up from that area, The first, I said the first three floors where you can actually see light was all meshed. Um, it was like 
uh, fencing. Yeah. And I'm saying it couldn't have, could, they wouldn't have done their hands out there, but uh, looking back on it, there would have been enough gap for to throw stuff out. You know that needle, was it on a syringe? It, it was on a syringe, yeah, it was a full syringe, and um, but there was no cap on the needle. So what, what if there was no hood on the buggy? That's, like that, 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 that's why I, I, I emailed in yesterday because I'm so agitated because if that child or if that woman had had uh, just taken down the hood of the buggy for two seconds just to, you know, play with the child or whatever or make contact. Yeah, but not everybody has a hood on a buggy, you know? Some of them yes, just open that, to that's the exactly it. That's exactly it. The way it fell, it would have gone straight into the area where the child's face Which was. Is, yeah, face or head, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it all now. Like, I've heard of no- yeah. needles being discarded yeah. and kids picking them up and playing with them, but falling yeah. from the sky and hitting the top of buggies. What happened next? So, um, with, the, with the conversation that I had with the security guard and the carpenter, he made a phone call to, I suppose, like, there's three extra security guards uh, patrolling the car park to make sure that there's no um, uh, drug users inside there. So, with the conversation as well, he said that. Last week, there was somebody nearly um, overdosed within the, the car park steps, and he went on to tell me that, and I was I was still baffled. So I I, I had to to go back to my van on Labatsky. So when I was down there, I I, I said right, I have to phone the the guard. So I rang the Bridewell straight away because this this Closest. is the second or third time now I had to make contact with them with drug related issues though, and that's. Um, in that lane with so why is that the second or third time did you see other people passed out oh yes yes yeah 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 the previous to that I I, I can tell you that in a bit but it was that was horrendous actually as well but um, as I was standing at the van on Lavis Key just outside the the Cock Education Training Board um, a fire brigade ambulance car you know they're small little one shot past coming from uh, the Merchant's Key area past the Opera House and Turned left into the car park. I said, Geez, that's strange not to see it going in there. I thought they were going down the lane of the, but I could hear it echoing in the car park. And I looked up further and uh, coming from the Bridewell side from the North Gate Bridge was a doctor's car. And they both, or he turned in right into the car park as well. So I made my way back down to the, um, to uh, the side of boats where I was um, yeah. getting, getting stuff. And the security guard said that whoever it was, male, female, I don't know, he said that the ambulances have to be called because somebody is overdosing inside in the car park. You think that you think that's related to the needles falling from the top of the car park? I guess it probably quite is. Quite possible, quite possible. Um, and I did, this was just the information that I got from the yeah. security guard yeah. and I, I, I continued to do my work. And I, 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 I went back up and... Uh, so I to, be able, the, to be able to police a car park like that with security... To be honest with you, three wouldn't even be enough. You'd need one for no, every level, wouldn't you? No, I, I, and a comment from the, the Tesco security guard said that even though there is three there, they still can't, like there's not enough obviously, but they still can't figure out how they're still getting in there. So they're walking in the front door where you pay your money and get Yeah, and then they look clean and they look respectful and they're doing that. You know, and, and that was that was horrendous. And I, I was actually in shock for the, the woman because I, from, I didn't speak to her. Uh, I, she, well, uh, the only conversation was, are you okay? And she said, yes. But Do you think I, she knew it was a needle? Did she see it, I wonder? She was in shock because she was looking on the right-hand side of her buggy and all she seen was the... Um, yeah, she the, just the wanted to get room, away from what could have been. But it was on the left-hand side 
that the needle hit and bounced over. Yeah, I know. She just wanted to get away from a potentially dangerous She just dangerous wanted to get place. over there and she did, she, even when she was down on the alleyway, I could see her turning around and she was still looking up at the, um, the car car. You said this is not the first time coming across stuff like this. You also referred no, so to the... About, about three or four weeks ago, I was in there again and uh, I was doing my collection uh, as usual and um, I was... I park on Labbott's Key because it's the only way we can get access to their stores. So I was walking down along the alleyway and uh, I came across a couple in the first alcove on the left-hand side. And they must have been in their mid-40s, I, I reckon, anyway. And I looked and the woman was tying um, like a band around his left arm while the man was trying to inject himself into his arm. And I, I made a comment. I said, you're, absolute, you're an absolute disgrace. I said, I said a few foul words as well, which I can't repeat. Did you really? Said, yeah, go on. Yeah, I, I said, you're an absolute disgrace. I went on to say what I said. I said, there's kids coming up here. And as I was saying that, there was a woman coming up now, and she had her, her son, and she actually put her hand over the eyes of the son oh to, blocks, to make sure that she didn't, or that the child didn't see what was going on. So I went down and same thing into Boots and I made contact and I came out and I, I was speaking to a few uh, contractors that were working outside and I said, did you see that down there? And I said, Jesus, he said, that's going on all the time here. He said, what, their, what the reputation down here is that they go out, uh, some, some of the down and outs, not saying down and outs, but the, the misfortunes. And I have to say, but they were out and he said that the, the program for them is that they go out and they beg out in Paul Street or wherever and then they're coming down into the alley where dealing and buying goes on. Ah, you know, the deal, you'll see the dealing on the Paul Street, just the Rory Gallagher Plaza. Yeah. I mean, you'll see them yeah. there. Yeah. And, and they just go down, down the alleyway then to shoot up. That's correct, yeah. And, and they, they go down there to use. So when I when I got my uh, packages, I was walking back down towards Labaski again. And I I was I was dumbfounded when I looked at them. And I said, what are they doing now? So... The, the man had his pants and his boxer shorts down around his pants or down around his ankles and she was I, 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 I know it's early but she was in there and she was trying to make uh, try to, to get the injection into his groin area God. and I, I lost it then I, I said lads and I if in fairness now like what are you up to and I swear to God it was like as if I could have been speaking to a person on the moon because they didn't have a clue what was happening they had no contact they were just out of it and there was no communication no. and I walked on in disbelief and I rang the Gardaí straight away and they, they, they said that they were going to get somebody over straight away they acknowledged that it's happening there all the time and they asked for a description I gave a description but I was, I was looking down the alleyway and I was still baffled and when they finished up they just pulled up he pulled up his pants uh, tied himself up and threw the needle over uh, like there was like a, a little gate into another part there on, on the right hand side and just walked away as if it was the most natural thing in the world yeah I know I, I, I know I know and but like, you know that, that addiction th- those addictions that they are in the addiction they're in is so strong that all that's on their mind is the next um, hit of heroin the next exactly smoke it, yeah. of crack cocaine, whatever the case, they have no idea what they're doing. They really don't. No, no, 
No, but it's just getting t- like it, yesterday was the final straw. Then when I seen that when when that came out of the, the sky, and you must see it, you must see it all though. It's a courier driver. Yeah, yeah, you would come across it, you'd see it, and you'd see the dealing going on, and you you see it, you pick it up when you're when you're traveling around the city, you'd see all of this sort of thing. But like, it's just gone totally unsafe inside and down, and especially if you're around that area uh, when people or contractors that are working down there all the time are saying, so this is the norm. This and they say, this is, this is completely yeah. normal. We see this all of the yeah, time. we yeah. see this all the time. This isn't... It, you believe the city's been taken over by both drug dealers and drug users and heroin 100%, addicts? 100%, 100%, yeah. uh, and, and, uh, and it's genuinely not safe to go in there anymore. And especially, like, you, at night time, you, you reckon it wasn't safe. But no, at daytime, it's exceptionally not safe because you sure, the addicts don't know the difference between day and night. All they're fixated on is their next fix of heroin. You see. That's that's exactly it, and it's, it's just unfortunate. But like, there has to be more. My my opinion, there has to be more policing and more, um, you know, you know, regulation. Uh, Do you think that there should be that there should be um, uh, some kind of an injection centre that they're talking about at the moment, where people can go and inject and shoot up safely indoors somewhere in the city? And. Um, that, that's hard. Like, is that just giving them a license then as well? Well, it would take possibly take a lot of them out of the alleyways and the streets, and you mightn't have needles falling from the sky. You know, you probably, but you, you, yeah, that that is true. You 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 lessen the chance of people in, uh, encountering people injecting. We'll make the, the problem go away, but we won't see it. You see as much. The, yeah, that, that's exactly it. That's just putting a blanket over it, a yeah. temporary blanket over it. It's still going on, but in on the background. All right. Okay. Listen, let me get some more calls on, but thank you for sharing. Horrific story. Thanks, David. Take care. Stay stay in touch, pal. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Let me stay with this, uh, or related to this, if you like. Text 0868104106. Paul, good morning. Morning, Dave. Now, uh, following on David's story, which is a bizarre one, um, you saved somebody recently. Were they they drowning, or did they fall in the river, or what was it? Oh, yeah. Saved me. I not sure did they fall in or did they jump in. It was last Sunday. We were after me and Ali were after being in um, Airtastic. We were up bowling and stuff and in the arcade. And she went, she went to pasta. So I said we go to Scoozies. So we drove into the city and I was kind of next to pull into Paul Street car park. It was right at the lights. Yeah. And we could hear people. I could look though and I see I seen a woman kind of holding her head like she was panicking and. Then there was another woman, she had like a big, large bottle of vodka under her arm, but she was screaming, saying, will someone just please jump in and save him? So I kind of, I don't know, I just told Ellie, he said, stay there, don't open the car. He jumped out and ran across the road, and then there was a fella floating down the river, motionless, like, he was, his eyes were closed, he looked like he was, he looked, looked like he was dead, to be honest, like. Floating on his back then, I guess, was he? He was on his back, like, but he was fully dressed, and it was just like his bare face was just just a little bit of his nose and his mouth were out of the water, like, but it looked like there was no life there, like. Amazing. Um, people just there was a few people there. People just had to kind of pulling out their camp, their phones, taking pictures or recording it or whatever. Like. Was that all they did? Just filming it? Uh, yeah. So I just took off God. my shoes and I climbed down. There was a steel ladder. So, because the tide was out, so I, I, it was a, a bit of a drop, and I didn't know how deep the water was. So I just said I didn't want to just jump in, like so. I, I went down the ladder, and when I got down about two foot under the water, there was like a little ledge, so I was able to walk up, and somebody dropped the life boy down to me, like so. I threw it, and I landed it over his head. And Did you really? Did you really? You got it over his head? Yeah, because well, he wasn't too far out now at this stage. Like he was probably about eight or nine feet out, like so. 
I threw it and it kind of gripped under with my second try leg and it gripped under his chin so I was able to pull him towards me and then I grabbed him and I lifted him out of the water and at that stage there was another lad after coming in as well to try and help me. But um, yeah, when I lifted him out, he was out of it like and he, the, one of the first things he asked me was did I have any gear or coke on me? God. And I'm like, no. And then he started getting, getting really aggressive trying to attack me and everything saying get off me and at this stage, we were waiting. We could hear the the ambulance and the guards and the fire brigade and all came were coming. Like so, I kind of just held them there, even though he was scratched, trying to scratch my knee, scratched my neck and stuff and everything. But he just kind of held on to them. He was trying to push me into the river. What? <laughs> but, uh, really? Was he yeah, saying? Was yeah. he saying anything besides "get off me"? I was trying to talk to him. They just kind of occupy him. I was asking him what his name was. He said his name was Dean. Yeah. Did he ju- got, did right? he jump in or fall in or what? You don't know. To be honest, I don't know. I don't know, no. To be honest, like, I didn't but The first see that. thing he asked you was whether you had drugs or not? One of the first things. Well, he, he kind of like pulled them out. He, he told me he needed help. And I was just there, okay. I said, well, look, you you need to want the help to get it, like. So, and then he asked me, did I have any gear or coke on me? And uh, Desperation. He just came really aggressive trying to attack me and stuff like so. He just kind of held him against the wall while we were standing on this little ledge. Well, I can't, I, I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like to be so addicted to something. You, you just lose all sense and reason if you're just completely... Yeah, he, was, and he, looked, he looked like... I, I was uh, like, how old are you, man? He said, you're a young man. How old are you, 34, 35? And he told me he was only 26. Like, he looked, he looked way older than 26. Like. And did an ambulance come along then at that stage, yeah? The fire, the fire brigade, the ambulance, the guards, they closed off the whole road to use a hoist or something. At this stage, when they got into the water, they said, you know, great job and thanks a million. So I left them take over from there. Oh, like, you just got him to the ledge. You were still down in the river. Yeah, on the we ledge. We were still in the river, standing yeah. in the ledge, but you couldn't even see the ledge. I didn't even know the ledge was there. Cause oh, see, we're still in the water with him standing there. I mean, that that, yeah. was, that could have been a danger to your life then at that stage. Well, he was he was trying to push me back things. I had to keep him against the wall because like, he was Jeez. trying to fight me back like, and he was trying to push me off the ledge, which was only probably about, about two foot wide. Like. Oh, my but, God. Uh, and what is it? Well done yeah. on that. Paul, but what is it with people taking out their mobile phones and filming somebody I, potentially drowning? God. I don't know. Even Ali, my young one, pointed it out like she was there when you went down. She goes, "There was a there was a guy with a, just a camera just recording everything." It's sick, isn't oh. it? It's just it's the sick. only word I can think of. Sick. I don't get it, like. Well. <laughs> oh my God, Jesus! Listen, well done, Paul. In that regard, I hope he gets the hope he needs or the help he needs. Who knows? I know. That's it, like. All right, listen, thanks so much for taking the call. Look after yourself. Take care. No, Thank thanks, you. Paul. Incredible stories this morning. You can be sure of that. Back after the break. Text the Neil Brenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. The issue of heroin and uh, addictions to heroin and dealing and taking of heroin in the city is only getting worse, not better. Um, this is unrelated, but it's another example, somebody says, of the country going down a very dark path. So in the last 18 months, it's gone down a very dark path, and I don't like it one bit. There was talk of setting up some sort of a hotline to rat out pubs that don't request the COVID cert and ID. I'd say the hotline would be hopping. Another one of their bright ideas is stopping it in pubs uh, by providing a big list of everyone's names and numbers at the door. That's surely a GDPR breach. It would be very easy for a predator to take advantage of that. The housing crisis has been going on for years now and prices going up every week but it takes them years of debate to change any law that might make a difference. They create a law to make it illegal to go out two kilometres outside your house and they do it with a stroke of a pen. 
in a properly functioning society, the likes of this would not be tolerated. It's very interesting because I know I saw some texts coming in there recently of people who were very upset and annoyed that their phone number would be put down in a ledger or a book that would be open to anybody to read their mobile number. So that's an issue in itself. But with regards to COVID, the profits that pharmaceutical companies are making um, are absolutely staggering at the best of times. But they're now posting quarterly returns um, and a lot of the profits are coming from vaccines. Both Pfizer and AstraZeneca have posted uh, profits in the last couple of days. And this morning, I learned that AstraZeneca made one billion euro profit in just the third quarter of the year, which would be only in three months um, from the AstraZeneca vaccine. So in three months, a billion euro profit. Follow that. Well, I can because Pfizer has reported earnings and sales doubled in the last quarter from one quarter to the next. They uh, they took in earnings of 7.7 billion euro Pfizer. That's up 133% from 12 months ago. Uh, and their revenue in total soared to 24.1 billion, up 134%. Don't worry if I'm blinding you with the numbers. They're just astronomical anyway. But the vaccine business alone was responsible for 60% of Pfizer's sales and much of their profit. Um, It's just incredible. The COVID vaccine, um, the Pfizer COVID vaccine brought in revenue of $24.3 billion. And they say that they expect a total of $36 billion from the vaccine for the whole of 2021. I mean, that is just an incredible, that's a staggering amount of money. And that's from the vaccine alone. So if you didn't think there was money in vaccines, uh, there is, and quite a lot of it. In the case of Pfizer, 24.3 billion euro. Um, And then on vaccinations, I don't know why the opposition didn't make more of Eamon Ryan's second test. They really should have driven through um, more tough questioning on this, but they didn't. Um, Can anybody get a correct government department to say how Eamon Ryan got a second COVID test? Uh, Texter says, it really annoys me. Do you believe that if it was you or I, we would have gotten a second COVID test? No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. And there's many more on on COVID and related stories to do with vaccinations and ICU. I might get an opportunity to come back to them throughout the course of the morning. But on a happier note, right? Sometime back, I was talking to the chef, Hugh German. Why were we chatting? Well, about food and diet. And he was saying that with the way things are going now and prices and everything and people not eating correctly, that there would be no problem whatsoever to be able to feed a family for under a fiver. So that was a lovely chat we had him at the time, with him at the time, and he wanted to do more of that. So we put him in touch with uh, Paddy O'Brien, who's an advocate for the elderly, and they put on a night to help the elderly to cook better for themselves and cook healthy meals for less money for under a fiver. And apparently it was a resounding success, and there was upwards of 80 uh, people at May- May- Mayfield GAA Club the other night learning to cook with Chef Hugh. And I think Paddy was there himself. So, Paddy, good morning. Hey, good morning, Neil. That's yes, some turnout, isn't it? Yes, indeed. It was a great turnout. And after uh, our conversation with yourself and your programme, um, I contacted then um, the Mayfield Ladies Club and I contacted Mary Barry, former president, and I put the, the proposal to them. What this uh, Hugh German, he's a... Uh, was a chef himself. Yeah. Now he's a, a catering specialist. That's right. And they agreed that um, to come along. So we organised for November the tenth. And I must say, last Wednesday night was a miserable, cold, wet night. It was an awful night. The worst. And I was not expecting a big crowd, but we had a tremendous crowd. And in this context, before I move on, I want 
to pay tribute to the Mayfield Ladies Club for the wonderful and great work they're doing for 54 years. Wow. Wonderful, wonderful people. 54 years when there was no such thing as the corporation houses at Mayfield. When new people came into the area, the Mayfield people made strangers into the area. Welcome, welcome. Now, to return to the night... What happened on um, the night? Well, I mean, was there, did, was there a cooker there, ovens there, grill there? No, 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 no. It was uh, just verbally only. Yeah. It, and what he did on the night, and I think just much appreciated, concentrating and putting emphasis the whole time on a budget. And I think he worked, he was working specifically on a person uh, or a, a, a couple or a single person living on a, on a social welfare payment. Of course, there was no need to cook anything, obviously. I shouldn't no, have said that because no, he was I there mean, to that, explain that, what that, you that, can buy. You know, he was yeah. explaining to them. And I suppose today it's very, very important with many people, a shortage of money, uh, especially if you're on social welfare, budgeting is vital. Vital, and and he and he gave me some wonderful tips, and as, as well as that, then he I'm not going to mention the places on your program now, but he mentioned the supermarkets where he would go himself, yeah. or he thought you could get chicken cheaper here, you get fish cheaper here, such a stuff, and he but it was very very interesting indeed. I have to say that, and the nutritious and, uh, part of a chicken and the th- how you cook it, and also exactly the thing you do exactly, it. Yeah. and and you went on to pork, you went on to fish. And I must say that the, the night absolutely flew. And uh, then he remained on himself then for any, any, any questions. He sat down with the people in little groups and, and, and spoke to them. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to continue into other areas because of the benefits of it. Fantastic. And everybody went away feeling good about it with lots of everyone ideas and went, tips. No, I'm, I'm, oh, yes, of course. Uh, and they were very, very pleased that it went away. And I suppose what I liked about tonight was the simplicity of it. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't speaking about uh, all upmarket uh, menus. It's the simplicity of this. Things we can all manage. Where to go? What to do? Don't do this and don't do this. Do the well, the case maybe. So, um, do you go into a maybe batch cooking as well? Cooking something that would last a couple of days. Yeah, you know, yeah, a lot, exactly, of, a lot exactly. of winter very stews and things. Uh, um, very interesting. Something that would last uh, two or three, three days. And what I'm in the process of doing now is this: <clears throat> I would be contacting other associations as well. And then, and he, yeah, Hugh German is prepared to go with me to any areas around, whether it's the city or the county. And thanks to your good self That's for fantastic. promoting this and getting this off the ground. You're like a Duracell bunny, Paddy. There's no stopping you whatsoever. You're always <laughs> up to something. <laughs> I am indeed, but I'm enjoying this. Okay. All right. Well, listen, fair play to you. I'm delighted it went so well. And if more will happen in the future, all the better. Thanks for taking the call and well done. Cheers, my man, Paddy O'Brien. We're duo catch up very soon. And thank you also to the chef, Hugh German, for coming on board and delivering. Now, Tony Hoolan said he was in favour of COVID passes for hairdressers and gyms. And you guys had a lot to say on that. Luke says this makes no difference whatsoever. The virus can still be passed on even through the vaccinated, opening everything up on the busiest week in Cork, like the jazz weekend. What do they expect to happen? Uh, the problem is COVID search gives you a free pass to anything, even if you're carrying COVID. A non-vaccinated person would most probably have symptoms, get tested and stay at home. A vaccinated person can have close contacts in their own household and no HSE requirement to get tested. So Anita's making out the point that actually the unvaccinated probably behave safer than the vaccinated. David says, I suppose he'd be supplementing the gyms and the hairdresser owners with more money, the money they'll lose from his own pocket, will he? 
No. I mean, I get a lot of the time people say these are civil servants making decisions that they don't live in the real world. Michelle says, not one person has caught COVID in my gym or in one of my classes. He should be publishing exactly where people are catching this virus from. All us unvaccinated people will just live underground altogether, will we? While the unvaccinated people keep spreading it between themselves anyway, says Pamela. Um, why? What is the point? Where is the evidence? Cases have skyrocketed since nightclubs opened. And they're all vaccinated. 45% in ICU are vaccinated. This is no longer about a virus and a vaccine. It is only about control. And on that, just with regards to... And they're on... I mean, he's, it's Tony Hoolan is talking about it. The cabinet claim not to be talking about it. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Alan says they need to get a grip. It won't be long before we have a social score and we're given points for acting in accordance. Sick to death of it. Um, uh, <laughs> point system as to who's behaving. Uh, Fiona says, I can, I can understand gyms maybe, but everybody's wearing a face mask at the hairdressers. Seems like overkill. I've been in favour of most of the measures taken so far, but certainly not this one. Back after the break, text 0868104106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Just going back anyway to what uh, one of the talking points with regards to Tony Hoolan. This is a NEFED uh, recommendation and they'll discuss it uh, sometime next week with the Cabinet. I'm not frightening people with regards to reintroduction of uh, regu- you know regulations or rules, but he certainly would wish there to be and that would include hair salons and, and gyms and what have you. Terry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are things? Okay, what are your thoughts on it? <laughs> it's the biggest load of BS I've ever heard in my life. This has gotten way out of control, Neil. You go back to April of this year, Michal Martin said he never envisaged these passes to be used domestically. They were for international travel. When did he that say that? In April of this year. Right. Did he we really say on. that? I'll take your word for it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, have, I, can, I can forge the article from the journal.ie. But why, why would he be saying something like that when we all know that COVID certs and QR codes were being used for social settings and pubs and restaurants and things like that? Not in April, they weren't, Neil. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Okay. Right. So we'll move on. We'll, we'll, we'll start with the mental health aspect of this. People that haven't got this job for whatever reason, maybe they're pregnant, maybe they're not, maybe you know they just don't want this, they're being cut out of society slowly but surely. They can't go for a pint indoors coming into Christmas time. They're going well, to sit out in the rain looking at the festivities. Yeah. Right? Shocking. Yeah. No, they want to take away their ability to get a haircut. Right. Yeah. They advocate, you know, get out and do a bit of exercise for your mental health. Now they want to take away the gym. Right. That doesn't make sense to me. Right. We like we we've had this argument up and down. People are like the worst thing is the divide. Do you do, do you need um do you need a COVID cert and a QR to be doubly vaxxed and everything to go to the cinema? See that that's that's the big question. Like I I was under the impression that these QR codes were for indoor dining. But no, it seems to be spreading to cinemas and the opera house. And I, I, I've seen online that you have to be double jabbed now to bring a child to see Santa. I'm seeing this online. Really? That, yes. Yeah, you can look into it, Neil. You can look into it. That you have you seen, to, have yeah. you seen an ad that you have to be double jabbed or the child? Which is it? Because you're not going to have a three or four year old double jabbed. Yeah, the parent has to be double jabbed to bring... Uh, you have to show your COVID to bring the child to see the Santa experience. Okay, okay. So you can look into that. Right, now... You've we, seen an ad for that summer, have you? Yeah, it's if you go onto Instagram. All right, no, okay. You've seen you've seen the ads. You've seen the ads. Fair enough. No, like, I mean, we we've had the argument: the vaccinated against the unvaccinated. I've seen cinemas. Like I've COVID. seen cinemas. Now, I'm just looking at one here. The 
the Odeon Cinema, odeoncinemas.ie are saying, uh, where is it here now, that you purchase your ticket, you declare that you're over 18, you're fully vaccinated, have immunity or have immunity from prior infection. So to go to the cinema, you need yeah. you need to be double vaccinated. But, uh, like so was, if that's I, the case I, in I, cinema, I sure, a, why would I it be... For indoor dining. Well, it, I'm just reading what I see here in the oh, audience. No, no, I appreciate you that. But we, we can carry on. Like, the, the divide has been unbelievable in this country. Every, like, we were vaccinated, blaming unvaccinated, vice versa, up and down. The government are only laughing at us. We're arguing with each other and no one's looking at them. Right? Mm. They, like, they can, they, they say what they want, they do what they want. Like, case in point, we take aim in Ryan. How do you go from positive to negative in, like, what, 10 hours, Neil? What test did he do? Did he do a PCR test? Or did he do an antigen test? But I know this is a PCR test. I it's also see... Test. No, I just I know I'm going back here. Like, uh, they didn't ask tough enough questions, the opposition, about Eamon Ryan. Um, the Omniplex... Look, can, I, can I finish my point? You know, yeah. I apologize for interrupting you. Right. Right? So I'm interrupting if, you, sir. If, if he got a positive PCR test, right, and then he got a negative antigen test 10 hours later, what use are those PCR tests? If we have 3,600 cases a day and his is an error... Could we, do we say that half of those tests are an error? Correct. You could, you could right. pluck whatever no. figure you want and nobody could dispute it with you because right. we don't no. know. No, if the, if the case is, right, that's right, maybe he is positive and the antigen tests don't work. Why are they posting antigen tests out to people? It can depend on the kit that you have too. Some of them are crap and others are very good. Isn't that the case? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, isn't it? I, I just find it very convenient that he went from positive to negative to suit an agenda where he had to... <laughs> That's the question that the public are asking. And would you right. be able to go and get a second test if you wanted to hook to head off on a plane, you know? No, right. we, we, we wouldn't move on, Neil. How is it that an unvaccinated person can sit inside a hotel? We take the Montanati Hotel. I can go up there and sit in a hotel bar, watch a match, drink all night. No problem. Once I'm a resident of that hotel, I can't do it 20 feet down the road in Henchies. You're unvaccinated, so you can't yeah. go into Henchies. You have to go to the outdoors. I have to book a room in the Montanari. Once I'm staying there, I can go into the hotel bar, mingle with people, sit around, chat away, watch a match, no problem. But I can't go 20 feet down the road to Henchies. How does that make sense? They have Varadkar spoken in recent days, and I'm quoting here from uh, the Irish Times, uh, spoken in recent days about the use of vaccine certificates to allow more freedom for people who've been fully inoculated, as well as providing a way for hospitality and live events to resume. That's from April of uh, 2021. Are, are you sure it was Michal Martin was talking about it and not Neil Bracker? No, it was Michal Martin. I can, I can forward you the article, Neil. There's no problem. I have it here in front of me. There's no problem. Um, but even on that point, Neil... Because originally you could be right in saying that the vaccine cert and the uh, QR code was for travel... And then in April, you're right in that, they started talking about the possibility of using them to allow the pubs to open. Sure, if they, if they weren't going to use the QR codes, the pubs would never have opened. But, but Neil, like, the, the point about it is, like, again, we're going back to a power and control system. Because like, even you take, we say someone that was double jabbed over six months ago, by their own, by, as you say, follow the science. They say it's lo- losing its efficacy now. Yeah. So... Like, is someone that was double-jabbed over six months ago, are they basically unvaccinated now again? Well, yeah, their immunity is waning. Yeah, yeah, their yeah. Immun- immunity is waning. Yeah. But, like, Neil, if, I, if, I just, if you just do oh, two columns there for me, right, and just, you know, let me do it. We'll do a COVID checklist, checklist vaxxed against unvaxxed, right? Mm. Can catch COVID, you'll take both boxes. Yeah. Can transmit COVID, you'll take both boxes. Can die from COVID, you'll take both boxes. Has to still test. 
you'll tick both boxes. Has to quarantine, you'll tick both boxes. And has to wear a mask, you'll tick both boxes. Right? Yeah, but there are more there are more boxes to be ticked than that. There, there is, but I mean that, including that, the that, fact that, that, that there are that there is a huge decrease in the amount of double vaxxed people in hospitals. There's a decrease in percent of the ICU yesterday, Neil, are double vaxxed. Forty five percent. Forty five percent. Yeah. Fifty five percent of two hundred people aren't. Two hundred thousand people. Fifty five percent of two hundred thousand people aren't. And where, where did you get the 200,000 figure? Because they're saying that the amount of unvaccinated adults in Ireland is about 200,000. But we're not talking about the unvaccinated adults in Ireland. We're talking about the people in ICU. There's, yeah. what, what's the number? 93? 45 figure are vaxxed. Yeah, but the, well, 50% of the 83, so we're going to say 40, 40 people in ICU are unvaccinated. But that 40 people represent only 200,000 of the population. The other 40 people represent 4.8 million of the population. But they're not in ICU, Neil. They are. Both no, what I'm saying is we're, we're talking about a specific figure of 93 people. Yeah. That's what's in ICU. Half of them are unvaccinated. And half of them are. Yeah, but the half no. that are in... You're, you have to follow the, ma- the maths on this, Terry. The 40 people that are in ICU that are double vaccinated come from a pool of 4.9 million people. 4.98 million people. The 40 people who are in ICU unvaccinated come from a pool of people 200,000 of the population. I can appreciate the matter, Neil, but they're still, we're still talking about a specific figure in ICU. Now, we can, we, like, I can go on to other issues, Neil. Like, as, you, as I said there, I, I, I'm a taxi driver. That's what I do for work, right? Again, I'm, I can't go into a cinema. I can't go in for a pint. But yet I can drive eight people home in a van in a more confined space. How they all have to have, yeah, they all have to, well, you'd be an essential service, you see. Exactly. I, like, all, like yeah, exactly. Like, from the get-go, I've driven people for tests, I've driven people for their vaccines, I've done this and that. But again, we were all in this together, but I mean, that was the biggest joke. We well, Tony Olin hasn't come out and said that you can't get into a taxi unless you're double vaccinated. Not yet, I anyway. Know, He's only I'm, talking about gyms and, from, and hair salons. From, from what I'm saying is, I'm not vaccinated, but I can't sit at a, a bar with three or four of my buddies, or a, a table with three or four of my buddies, but I can drive eight people home in a van. Mm. Right, and we, you, we move on. Like we could go on and on. They, they keep referencing Israel with their booster shots. Israel issued three point nine million booster shots in the summer. In August and September, they had ten thousand cases a day. Yeah, you look okay. at Waterford in this country, the highest uptake va- vaccine uptake in the country, highest case numbers in the country. If, How does that make sense? If uh, well, let me just put this point here. Let's say that all adults were vaccinated. Right, double vaccinated, you included. Mm-hmm. Right, we would have half the amount of people in ICU, and we wouldn't even be having these conversations about COVID dragging on, or working from home, or possibly reintroducing um, restrictions. Why? Because there wouldn't be pressure on ICU, and there wouldn't be pressure on hospital beds. We'd have a lot Neil. less in there. Neil, if you guys the got H- jabbed, the HSE's been under pressure for. I know that. Years. I know what I'm talking they've about now. Money I know that. Pound after pound, they've thrown it away. I know that. But the only, the only worry that we have, according to Neffet and the government and politicians and an awful lot of people, is the pressure on the health system. So if you guys were vaccinated, I'm not saying that you should be forced to. It's your own choice, of course. But if you were, we wouldn't be having conversations like pressure in the ICU and pressure on hospital beds because we would have half as many people in them. Can't say that Neil because as you right, you're, you're fair enough that the statistic is fifty five, forty five, or something to that effect percentage wise. But 
but they're still double jab people in ICU because of COVID. I know, Just and you're missing. I know, but you're missing the, the point. The rest here. of us get double jab doesn't mean that those numbers aren't going to be the same or go up or down. That's that's nonsense. You don't believe that the, if the unvaccinated were vaccinated, there wouldn't be as many in ICU. No, I don't because okay. like if okay. if there's if there's people in there that are double jabbed, right? There's nothing stopping more people that are double jabbed going in there as well. Like what? What the double jab people that are in ICU? Why are they in there? Is it because of COVID or are they in there with COVID and something else? It's probably the all same of the question other. could be asked with the unvaxxed. I know. Are they in there because of COVID or are they in there with COVID? I know that. And I, I don't mean to labour the point, but you're talking about two different sets of the population. One represents 4.9 million people. The other represents 200,000 people. Can I, can I ask you an honest question? An honest, honest question. Given that even like you, you can read, you've read out the comments there and such like that. Do you really believe that there's 93% of this country vaccinated? Do I believe... That does 90 plus or whatever... Well, if I don't believe it, it's made up, you're saying, or it's fake. No, no, I'm saying, do you believe that there's 93% of this country fully vaccinated? Well, let me me put it to you this way. As a broadcaster, I can't prove that that is true. I understand that, but but I'm asking your opinion. Do you believe there's 93% of this country fully vaccinated? I guess I probably do. I mean, I might be naive in the sense that I, I believe what they're telling me with regards to that statistic. I mean, I, que- I question everything for sure, but I'm, I'm assuming that the entire medical profession and I, are not on all in on this big, huge lie of 93%. I'm not, I'm not I'm Neil, I'm not so, conspiracy tearing, I'm not anti-vaxxing, I'm just asking a general question. Do you believe that there's 93% of yeah, this country? Yeah, okay, uh, yeah, I, I would believe right. it. Yeah. Now, now, like, they ask people to trust the science and trust you know, the government, Jesus, wept. Uh, they keep changing. Like, even yesterday, 8 o'clock yesterday morning, Tony Hulun said he was in favour of gyms and hairdressers. At 9 o'clock, Stephen Donnelly said that wasn't happening. They're not even reading off the same hymn sheet. No, what he said is they're not, they're not thinking about that or they're not yeah. talking about that. But they are meeting Neffet next week. Yeah, so they are thinking and talking about that, Neil. Like, okay. I mean, come on. Like, we, we're, like, we, we've... We've had this before. They say one thing, and within two weeks, you know, it's gone down the other road. Oh, for God's sake, man. Sure, like a month ago, we were talking about um, Neffet being disbanded. They were no longer necessary. Do you remember that? They were no That was the best news story anyone in this country heard earlier in this year. Neffet be gone by October 12th. October 12th came around, and they're making the decisions again. Okay, and let let me get on here, if you don't mind, Terry. Let me just ask you finally, you, you, you don't think that... There's any responsibility whatsoever on the unvaccinated then with regards to the numbers or the conversations about the possibility of bringing back restrictions, no? We're all in, again, I thought we were all in this together, Neil. We all play our part. Like, I say, I'm unvaccinated. If I test positive, I'll do the isolation for 10 days. I wash my hands, I two metres, I, you know, wear my face covering, Right. They do say that the they do they do say that the version of COVID that a vaccinated person passes on is weaker than the version of COVID that an unvaccinated well, person. Did you forward me that document? Because <laughs> I've read from the Lancet <laughs> that it's similar, and actually <laughs> I have a tweet here as well <laughs> that I can forward to from the head of Neffet, uh, Killian de Gaskin, where he actually states in the tweet that the viral load is extremely similar. Okay, so it, so I can forward that to you if you want. Do stay in touch, whatever you do, Terry. Have a good weekend, all right? Cheers. Take care. Lines open at one 850 We're back after 11. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Get it off your chest. 
Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And we're only minutes away from another batch of free Food Friday shout-outs, so you got another 20 minutes to text who you are and where you are. Would you like to be fed with Oak Fire Pizza? We've got six of the large ones, which will feed up to 15 people, and perhaps even more with the garlic breads and the, uh, um, you know, baked, baked potatoes. I think it might be either baked or perhaps oven-roasted drinks, dips, lots of different desserts, cheesecakes and what have you for 15 of you. So text who you are and where you are to 086 8104106. You can pick up Oak Fire Pizza at Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, Gillabby Street and Douglas Village. And one more piece of housekeeping. It's far from that. It's a lot more besides. It's a thousand euro voucher to give away today to round off our week of giveaways for Michelle the Jewellers. Bespoke jewellery for any occasion and a very important occasion coming up soon. Christmas. So visit Michelle uh, for some Christmas gifts. So, I'm only dealing with the diamonds in the deck of cars. There's 13 of those cars. The highest one is the Ace. I'll take two callers on air around about a quarter to midday. Callers 10 and 11. When I play this cue to call, whoever gets the highest diamond card wins a €1,000 voucher for Michelle. It's an incredible prize. You're listening for this. Diamonds are forever I need to please me. All right, hang in there for that and lots more besides. Okay, I had all sorts of different plans this morning on air for things I was going to do and talk about and chats. But you go off on different ones, obviously, because that's the nature of this program. And I'm quite happy with that. So we're chatting about a lot of different things that I hadn't actually thought we would be this morning. And that's fine. Much more business to be done on Monday. Rob, good morning. So what do we know now at the moment that you do need a COVID cert and a QR code for a pub? Uh, or a yes, restaurant, yeah. or to sit down in a deli. Um, yeah. um, you, you, you would need it to go into a, a hotel, for instance, to have a meal or a drink. Otherwise, you don't yeah. get in. You don't need it for a hair salon. You don't need it for a gym. You do need it, I'm told, these days now for, um, say, to, for instance, to get into the cinema, right? Do you, am I right in all of that? Um, it depends on the cinema, you think. Does uh, it? Now, why do you say that? Um, well, like... Have you heard us other than this morning that that's the case? Well, like, I, I suppose... The case, I disagree with us, obviously. But no. um, we'd say, like... Some are, some aren't, is it? Well, maybe that's the case. I, I don't know. The truth be thought, I okay. don't... Okay, that's what I know. So, so the latest one now that I'm coming across this morning is people who want to bring a child to Santa Claus, that if the mammy yeah. or the daddy aren't vaccinated, they can't bring the child to Santa oh, Claus. I, I, have, I, have, I have seen one or two posts on Instagram and couple of things to that effect. Okay. Right. I don't know if, if it's if how true or false it is. I don't know. Well, I have one here from uh, uh, which is a screenshot of the Santa experience that says to inform you recent changes, government guidelines, all blah, 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 blah. Uh, all individuals 18 plus years of age attending Santa's magical cabin who are eligible to receive a COVID-19 vaccine must show proof of vaccination or proof of recovery um, so that's kind of saying that if you can't, you can't bring the child in. Yeah, but we okay. said I'd like to know what amendment to government guidelines that is, because as far as I'm aware, the government guidelines or the legislation provides for indoor dining and hospitality. But now we have businesses that are taking it upon themselves to do it. Surely that would raise a discrimination issue. That's against public health advice. That's, a, that's an excellent point you make because I, I, I don't know are they taking it upon themselves that's, in that's the spirit. What, that's what I'm saying. Does clarity needs to come for this because what's to stop 
any business now doing this and enforcing this. But legally speaking, the only place that can legally enforce it at the moment, as far as I'm aware, I'm open to correction, but as far as I'm aware, the only place that's legally allowed to enforce this is a bar or a restaurant. Any place else is doing this off their own back, and if they're doing that, they're doing it against what Nefis are advising, okay. which is okay. what we're all okay. subject to listening to for the last two years. Okay. So if we're not going to follow their advice, what's the point of them in the first place? Okay, they... they now, when it comes to... Go ahead, sorry. No, they, they, they are also talking, of course, about the possibility of hair salons and gyms. Yeah, absolutely. But, but, I, but, I, but I, you I know, you know we are, I have, I'm hearing stories of hairdressers themselves who aren't vaccinated and, uh, and, of and they're petrifying yeah, some of the customers whose heads are in the sink and they're telling them that. Absolutely. And it's their choice to whether they're jabbed or unjabbed or whatever they want to do. That's no one's business, bar they're on. Like, the point I'd make is we're going through this thing over two years. When has a hairdresser ever needed a vaccination in two years? When when these hospitality sorts, these weren't even originally supposed to be for pubs. And this, the government swore blind to us that this wouldn't happen. And yes, two weeks later, the last caller was on the ball. Two weeks after that, they were used as a stopgap to get hospitality open, which I understand the hospitality industry suffered more than anyone, any other industry in this country. So on the, and on that basis, they used this tool that they had, which was the QR code and the vaccine yeah, cert, yeah, to allow them to reopen. Which, which, was fine, yeah. which was fine back three, four, five months ago, whenever it came in, right? But by the government's own admission, we are, every adult or every person over 12, we're at 90% vaccination rates. Now, whether you believe they work, they don't work, etc., etc., whether you're conspiracy not, none of that matters. The government's own admission were at 97, and you said there a minute ago, 200,000 adults are unvaccinated in Ireland, roughly speaking. That's 5% of the population. Yeah, yeah. So that means 95% are jabs, are vaxxed, are protected. So by that logic, vaccine passports are null and void for indoor dining and hospitality. All they're doing at the minute now is creating a divide between people stressing people out they're creating an unworkable situation like have you talked to anyone that runs a nightclub in Cork yeah the, the hassle that no I haven't spoken most. to them since no I don't know if they're getting grief no but like, I, I know a fella that runs a nightclub in Cork the hassle involved in this is absolutely unworkable it's just ridiculous but the, we'd say Frag we'd say I'm right there right and say 90% so 9 of every 10 people are jabbed Right, going up to the door. What hassle? Uh, what hassle are they getting? Well, we'd say, like, they have to check the sorts. They're, they're terrified that if a COVID inspector walks into their business and they happen to come across one in there, maybe the bouncer missed one, maybe they skated through. Who cares? How, who cares how they got in? Suppose that they're found out. That business then is shut down or subject to massive fines and this, that, and the other thing, right? If there was a real need for vaccine sorts, why would there be nightclubs open? I get they have to make money, right? But we're we're at worst case numbers now than we were at the height of the pandemic. And they opened nightclubs three weeks ago. Mm, no, when you say height of the pandemic, bear in mind now. Three and, a half, three and a half thousand cases with 90 whatever percent of the population dosed with this yes, but, but, jab, you but, call but, it. but deaths have dropped deaths, rapidly. The, the, the deaths have dropped rapidly, fair enough. 
Right, there's no argument there. Yeah, so we're not. So what has what has stayed totally steady through this spike of cases is the amount of hospitalizations between four and five hundred, and the ICU admissions between eighty and hundred for the last four weeks, five yeah. weeks, six weeks straight. Yeah, they've stayed relatively stable. So, like you, but my my point would be, you could have a hundred thousand cases. Well, well, listen, far from me now Far from me now to be here as a mouthpiece for the government or for an effort. That is not my no, job here. You're, you're, you're entitled to your, to your opinion as well. Like We all have an opinion about the government and effort and well, listen, I'm not going to go into the politics. But if we haven't seen... No, but and I don't mean to be kind of all happy, clappy, agreeing with everything the government says, but if we're to believe what they say or what the medics are saying, that we haven't yeah. hit peak yet... Um, right. That we will hit a critical, we will hit a critical point, point where the hospital system will absolutely collapse, and we have a million people already who need to get into hospitals. So yeah, that's that's, that's something completely separate to COVID. Like, oh, it's say, not yeah, separate. It's the only yeah, no. It's the only problem because most people now will just get a bit sick and get better. But it's oh yeah, ho- fair enough. Yeah, from from if if you believe that the, these vaccines work, but we'd say for argument's sake. Go back two, three years ago. She was in the HSE in absolute ribbons back then as well. And go back a couple of years previous to that. The health service has been in trouble for a long, long time. And what? this what? has gone on over two years. There hasn't been any improvement in the health service. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if we're in the middle of a pandemic, as they say, surely the right thing to do instead of focusing on 200,000, on, on a fraction of the population that is in fact, and by this stage of the game, if they're not, they're not going to get us, regardless of what the government threatening them with. Well, they're so threatening, we, well, Neffet are threatening to turn the heat up on you and to restrict your movements more. So you'll sure, be cutting your own way. How is it a choice then? How is it a choice? They're saying it's your choice to get the vaccine. Suppose I chose not to get it, but then I have the government coming down on top of me then restricting my freedoms, restricting my movement because of a choice. That isn't a choice. And you can word it whatever way you want, and they can word it whatever they, whatever way they want. That isn't a choice. If you tell someone you have a choice, but if they choose a certain way, there's consequences for them. That isn't a choice anymore. Mm, mm, Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Why like, won't Why won't you get vaccinated? Why won't who? You. You don't have to answer that, and a lot of people don't. I am, answer. I am vaccinated. You are. I am. Okay. So why is it an issue for you then? Is it you're talking it, on behalf it, of those that aren't? I'm not talking on behalf of anyone. The question that was put, the question that I answered was, do I agree with the extension of the COVID certs? And I don't. Like, that has not, I'm not speaking on behalf of anyone, vaxxed or unvaxxed. Whatever people want to do and choices they want to make, I believe should be their own. And if I didn't want, uh, I would say I took the jab. I have my reasons for doing this the same way you had yours mm. and the same way everyone had their reasons for or against. Mm. It's not for me to judge you for taking it. It's not for you to judge me. I don't judge an unvaxxed person for taking for not doing it. What I am saying is a huge issue at the moment is the stigma around uh, people not taking it as if they're some sort of uh, leper okay. and they're sick and people are being treated like they're sick even if they're not. Okay. And they're okay. not. And we'd say a prime example of this would be We'd say a nightclub, for example. They're only leaving vaccinated people into pubs and restaurants since this became a thing. So how are the unvaxxed to blame for the social contacts? And we'd say, if you had, for argument's sake, inside a pub, 500 vaccinated people, each one of them could have COVID, but they're not tested. And because they're vaxxed, no one cares. But yes, they want antigen test an unvaxxed person 
who'd know for absolute certainty. No, I 100% it. agree with that. I think if there was antigen so, tests available no. for everybody, the unvaxxed would be safer than the vaccinated. Absolutely. I, I reckon that's the case yeah. at the moment right. anyway, because okay. we'd say, for, we'd say if you go abroad... The unvaccinated are not necessarily reckless. Not necessarily. No, not at all. Yeah, like, okay. I, know, all right. I, I know a handful of unvaccinated people and they're safer than what I would be. Yeah, okay. I, right. I've carried on my life as absolute normal as possible. I haven't done anything different than I would have done two years ago. All right. Let me get some more. Et cetera, et Let me get some more calls on the air, Rob, if you don't mind. But appreciate you yeah, taking absolutely, the call. Man, absolutely. Sure. Take care. Thank you, Rob. Text 0868-104-106. Uh, Con's on line four, uh, and we have more to do. Uh, Kira's holding on as well. Thanks, Kira. Con, go ahead. Yes, uh, um, I'm. I'd like to congratulate Michael Healy Ray for coming out yesterday and saying that it's the people's personal choice whether they're going to take the vaccine or not. And uh, I'm totally against. I'm against the vaccine because I think it's unsafe. It's, it's unsafe. It's, uh, it, you know, I mean, there's, it, it wasn't a properly tested vaccine. How could you get a, a completely safe vaccine in 10 months? You know what I mean? Pull the other leg. Like, they, claim, they, claim, they claim they were tested. They were trialing it longer than that. I don't know. And they also claim that... Uh, no, I don't believe them. I don't believe them. I haven't believed the politician in the last 20 years. Well, believe the, profit, believe the profits that are made from Pfizer's vaccine and believe the oh, profits yes, that are made yes. from Astra. We are talking of Astra's, right? Astronomical profits. Astronomical. Billions are making profits. And I think now... And I want, want more politicians to come out with their conscience. I don't know how politicians are sleeping inside in their beds. Why? I mean, to, to, to go ahead with, 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 with this, this untried vaccine, and it's actually making people sick. And they're coming out now, and they want the carers of, of, of all how, people. How do you make that out if less and less people are dying, and we, we're not reporting um, huge deaths or immunocompromised elderly in hospitals in no, large numbers? Well, I tell you that. You see, there was always going down through the centuries. There was always weak people, weak people, but but through drugs and all, we have kept them alive. But then this 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 virus came. It's only a bad flu, and it killed a bit, a bit extra. It didn't kill an astronomical. There was actually more people died in 2018 than 2020 and 2018 19. There was more people died than in 2020. So where were all these deaths from? You know, and as you know, um, a a lot, there was a there was a huge decrease in in viral sicknesses across that period of time because people weren't out and about. Exactly, I agree with you one hundred percent. Yeah, there was, but see, the 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 viral sickness. So they 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 pushed no flu in. last year, for instance. So that wasn't killing exactly, elderly yeah. people. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Agree with you. Yeah. So where 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 was this? Um, where was this? Why why was this uh, pandemic like? Well, the pandemic was the pandemic was, the, pandemic the, was um, the Five million people who died around the world, and the pandemic yeah, was the two hundred and fifty yeah. million people who contact contracted COVID. Yeah. True lack of hygiene and everything, and well, you know whatever I mean, you want to call it yourself. But the, over five million, if you're to believe that to be the world death. Yeah. yeah. Well, now at the moment, now they're trying to push it on children. I it's up to everyone over eighteen or twenty-one years of age if they want to take it. But vaccinating children is 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 a model. Is a model. I think is evil. Mm. You know what I mean? You have to bring. You know. There's a guy there, and uh, I think to, to vaccinate young children with this, this, this uh, it's only an experimental drug. You know, it, it's not a safe vaccine. It's not safe. And I won't, I haven't taken it, and I won't take it mm. under any circumstances. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that. Okay, fair play to you, and it's your body, your choice, the fellow says. But do you restrict your movements then? Clearly there are places that you can't go because you're just I not do, welcome. I do, I do, I do. I do. I, 
I'm I'm in my sixties, so I'm I'm cut out going to pubs. Um, cut out big crowds. I used to go to GA matches. I don't go to. I wouldn't even apply for one of them tickets now because I'm very disappointed where the GA, all these other organisations, have come out behind the government too. <coughs> you know. They come out, you know, it's not only just the politicians, there's a lot of organisations that come out for this vaccine and, and it's wrong. Mm. And don't try vaccine. And I'm, I, so I don't go to GA matches, I don't go to pubs, so I'm keeping, you know, low. And do you miss those that. aspects of your life finally? I do, I do, I do, but I, I feel it with a bit of prayer, you know what I mean? I pray at the rosary. The rosary is very, only, only for the rosary, I, I wouldn't be coping, to be honest, too. Well, that's, uh, that's good to hear then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I'd, I'd recommend the Rosalie, you know, to be saying there, you have an awful lot of uh, depression in Ireland now at the moment, and they're giving them pills, and they're giving them this mm. and that. If they just pull the Rosalie, if they ask pull. their grandmothers, they have your Rosalie bead, and just pray the Rosalie. Pull out the Rosalie beads. Pull out the Rosalie beads, that's it, that's <laughs> okay. it. You know, that's it. I think, and you know, if they were passing the chapel, just go in for a, 10 minutes, if they were open, and just say a few prayers, for only themselves and their family. Pray for themselves and their family. You'll have a lot of less depression in the country. It would be better for the people and everything. You know what I mean? All right, pal. And, uh, Mind yourself. Thanks for taking the call. Cheers, Con. Back after the break on 1850-104-106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. If I don't get it today, I will get back to it on uh, Monday. Kira, good morning. Here is a morning, DJ and broadcaster. With thank you for taking the call. Are you are are jocks back now? I know back in clubs and things, but are you are you gigging weddings and twenty firsts and stuff like that? Um, not twenty firsts um, because music isn't allowed in uh, pubs. But um, well, it's allowed in pubs, but not for dancing. Okay, for sitting uh, down, wedding, yeah. weddings are excluded at the moment. Um, though the word on the street is that they may start insisting on only vaccinated people at weddings. Who said that though? Nobody um, said that. Um, word on the street. All right, but at the you moment know, now, bands and jocks are playing weddings. Can people dance at them? People can dance at them. Okay. Um, okay. Up until recently, it was eleven thirty closeout, um, and so many people. But they re- removed those restrictions. Oh, and um, somebody going to a wedding in a hotel, the guest list isn't just vaccinated people. Sure, it's not. And not at the moment. Okay. All right. All right. So not at the moment. So how's it? Go- are you in club? Do you play any clubs that opened there recently? To be honest, I'm staying away from the clubs um, purely. um, First of all, I'm not vaccinated, um, but I've had COVID, um, not once but twice. And um, the the reason why I'm not vaccinated is for medical conditions, like a lot of people. Right. You know, it's not that I'm an anti-vaxxer. Did you get a right whack from it if you've got medical issues? Uh, first, no, no, medical issues were, were uh, due to other reasons. Okay. Um, right. The first whack that I got was just December 2019. And I honestly, I was out for a few drinks and I, I thought I, I got food poisoning um, because I was sick for about four or five days, bones or, um, you know, getting violently ill and, and stuff. Yeah. And I had just put it down. That was December 2019. But then my medical people said, uh, have you had COVID because your antibodies are high? So that's the first time I, that I knew I had it. That was July, August of the following year. So in July or August of 20, they told you you had it in the back end of 19? Yeah, because they, they thought I had, I visit the hospital regularly once a week. Okay, okay. So they thought that I had, they thought I had had, had it recently. But I, I said, well, the only time I was really ill 
was in 2019. Okay, uh, and in one of the points you were making was that your hearing of the Christmas parties either not being booked or those that were booked I, are being cancelled. Well, I was talking to a couple of my DJ colleagues last night and um, and and others, and um, first of all, I'm involved in other businesses, and um, you have a situation where not all your employees are vaxxed. Um, I know of one party that was cancelled that I was booked for, yeah. and... Um, the hotel manager just told me straight out, look, we're not allowed to take unvaccinated parties. While they can take weddings, they can't take the parties. And he said 20 people out of 370 were vaccinated. So the company just decided, no, this we're not doing this. I know other companies that are doing their own marquees. Other companies that are doing their own marquees? Yeah. So of what benefit? Huh? And control it in what way? Is it only letting uh, yeah. vaccinated staff go to the Christmas party? Well, they wouldn't be precluded from doing that. The hotels are. They are not precluded from doing it in their in their private marquee or in their warehouse. Oh, yeah. Okay. But So a you Christmas know, party in a hotel, the hotels would only allow vaccinated staff members in? No. Vaccinated. Under the law, I, as an unvaccinated person, can work in a hotel. Yeah. The employees can work in the hotel if they're unvaccinated because you cannot preclude them from I understand that, yeah. yeah Same the, the, law, the, the law specifically says, though, that your patrons must be, other than a wedding. Ah, like now I see. So the wedding is different to the Christmas party then? It's treated differently. Like I, I, the, I wedding, the, the Christmas party is treated the same as a nightclub. Correct. But I've also seen, we'll say, pubs and... Uh, venues around the country where there are situations like funerals and what they actually do is they put up um, private party so that basically gets around that legislation yes you can let anyone in that you feel like then yeah because it's a private party yeah yeah so but these private um, parties are happening are they they are yeah okay and this would be vaccinated with unvaccinated Absolutely. Okay. No, I'm just getting a better yeah. handle on things and so thank you for that yeah. yeah so so companies then would do their own Christmas party. Some some are, or you know, like in in our on case, premises or on in a marquee. In our case, we're going to Belfast for a Christmas party. Wow! Um, like it just strikes me, you know, the 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 narrative. Um, and again, I'm going to stress, I'm not anti-vax. I've had all my vaccinations down through the years. Um, I go to the hospital when I need to be dealt with. However, um, you have a situation where I can drive from Dublin to Newry, which is an hour. I can walk into a restaurant in Newry and get my afternoon lunch without any question. They'll take your number and they'll take your name. And that's fine. But they but won't check they don't check a code or a they, QR. They don't care. They because it's it's not it's not enacted up there. It's enacted in Ireland. Yeah. Now yeah. on the other on the other hand, you have we'll say our great leaders that are coming out today and, and, and saying that, you know, offices now are deemed to be less safe than um, nightclubs. Now, I can tell you, I work with a business in Galway, and at the very start of this, they bought a PCR machine, which they spent about 130000 on. Crikey. The staff are tested once a week. There's been, as far as I know, about five cases in total. That's fine, but they must be have, they must be turning over millions and millions to be able to afford that. Like, not at no well, well, Neil, if you have 130, 140 staff in a premises, and if your lines go down for a day, or two days, or three days... 130 grand of small beans. Yeah, but I mean, many people in the workplace don't know if their colleagues are vaccinated or not. I mean, anywhere in, here included, it's, 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 it's not a requirement to come to work. Correct, correct. 
However, however, um, we have a situation where, you know, I don't know whether you've played in nightclubs, yeah. but everything goes in a nightclub, as you know, and as yeah. people get drunker throughout the night, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I know. So, so you know, last year there was, there was this um, need for a nine euro a meal where, you know, you had to have your nine euro meal because COVID would leave you alone. Now, I know the reason behind that, that people will go in, sit down, go away and whatever else. But now you have a situation it was stop, where... It was to stop people going on the lash. They had a, time limit. They had a time limit and there had to be food. Absolutely. But I have a situation in Galway now where there's restaurants in Galway who are asking for your vaccination cert to eat outdoors because vaccinated do not want unvaccinated beside them. Now, it's not all people. You have a few, you know, on both sides of this divide, and that's the only way that I can put it at this stage. You have people like me down the middle. You know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm a horde when someone comes up and says, I wish that, you know, vaccinated people would die or vice versa. I'm, you know, we're all in this together. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, yes, it's body choice. And yes, you know, I do believe that people who are vulnerable, people who have diabetes, to people who have, you know, diseases that may lead them to be in a very bad place if they get them, by all means, give them this emergency vaccine. But then you have the other situation where I'm recovered from COVID. I've had it twice. The second time I picked it up in the hospital, my whole team got it. Okay. And the second time was a head cold. One of my colleagues on radio, he got it. He was sitting out um, during his uh, summer, uh, sitting out for the two weeks. He wasn't sick at all. So, you know, the, the we have to get on with life. COVID is here forever. It's not going away. It will never go away. All right. Okay. You know, the same as the same as the flu. We need to get on with things. But it's it's you know did this. You know, these rat lines, all the other kind of stuff that's going on. You know, I have a woman that, that, that I've, I've driven to Belfast from Galway, okay? She was a nurse. She's retired, okay? Unfortunately, she's an autoimmune illness, okay? 73 years of age. Mm. Hasn't been in a restaurant since 2011. Mm. Or, sorry, since 2019. 19, yeah. yeah okay? I'm yeah, yeah. um, now told that she can't get a pass, even though they're coming out and saying, oh, well, we can organize something for you but can't get it, okay? I brought her to Nuri, did a little bit of shopping, and she had her meal. Yeah. Okay? And so she, she said, quite literally had to go to the north to eat. To eat. Well, okay. just to feel normal, as yeah, she was. She said, okay. I've worked in hospitals all my life. Okay. She, she worked in Galway Hospital when those tuberculosis there, which was a highly contagious viral lung disease, yeah. as everybody knows. And, you know, the fact that she's precluded because she's been advised not to get it, okay, as as a lot of other people have been, and but that's I know I need to move on. But on on that point, you can get special dispensation for that. Oh yeah, well she's obviously tried and hasn't got it. Okay, well no, I don't know what like, that is. You, have, you have doctors, you have doctors clinics in around Ireland. One of one of them was um, one of them was highly publicised yesterday. I'm not going to name them shame, but they were highly publicised because they said that they weren't going to deal with patients who weren't vaccinated. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. That okay. They were yeah. Re- retracted on that. So you know, we okay. really need to we really need to get on with it. Okay. I mean, 
Thanks it's for taking the call. Okay. Crazy stuff. All right. Thanks, Neil. Cheers, bye pal. Bye. Take care. Good luck to you. Uh, some fr- free food Friday shout outs. I need to plough ahead ASAP. To everybody listening, a countrywide drains limit. To everybody at uh, Healy's Bread Distribution, Kane St. Gillian's Special School, Henderson Motor Services in the Marina Commercial Park, Lara National School in Bandon. We'll love pizza today. They're all listening. Morning, Katie. To everybody who's working at ECI, JCB, and Carrie Tool, we're listening. To the maintenance staff at the Imperial Hotel, DMB Electrical Maintenance, Honey Brown's Hair Salon. Kiri's Renault wrapping business or sorry busy wrapping Christmas shoebox appeal well done Little Island Dental Surgery uh, PPL Biometrics on the Tremor Road AP Vaughan Recycling and Scannell's Pharmacy in Ballinine and we'll come back to that in a few minutes time just before quitting time but I told you earlier in the week on Monday about a fellow by the name of Henri O'Donnell who is literally swimming around the entire coastline of Ireland and I came across him, didn't actually meet him but one of my buddies Garrod was taking him out on a rib so he could do the latest leg of his swim which at the time was last weekend I think he was going from the Skelligs to Blaskets. So Henry Henri joins me by phone because I'm mad keen to find out how he's getting on and who from time to time he might be swimming alongside under the water so Henri good morning Hello, Neil, and everybody in Red FM. Fantastic. Great to be on the show. Now, what is it? You're doing a fin swim. What's fin swim? Uh, fin swim, yeah. It's basically uh, swimming, the front crawl, the ordinary freestyle or front crawl, people call it. Uh, I competed uh, for Ireland in the World Masters a long time ago, but uh, I've also been fin swimming, not swimming, using fins or flippers. Some flippers, as we used uh, to call them in the yeah, old days. Okay. Yeah. Uh, divers use them, you know, they're used in, uh, it's becoming very, very popular. You see uh, the likes of Phelps and some of the greatest uh, swimmers in the world use fins, and so do our athletes here in Ireland. Swim Ireland will be aware of this. And how much of the coast have you done? Uh, well, the, the the distance so far from Donegal, Gaeltacht in Carrick Finn, where we started in September 2020, uh, I've completed over a thousand kilometres, uh, reaching the Skelligs just uh, last week with a fantastic support team from Port McGee. Uh, we <laughs> had to reform the expedition team, of course, because of the COVID. Yeah, and I had to pause event. for a little while, and you do it. You do it in bites, of course. Yes, this is correct. Well, we tried to maintain consistency. I mean, the only break in the swim really was because because of the disruption with COVID pandemic, which interrupted even the Olympics, you know. So, uh, you know, uh, the, the idea is to swim as far as possible, as often as possible, to try to achieve the mission to, to solo, solo fin swim around the coast of Ireland and in doing so then to support two wonderful charities who need support at this time. Irish Cancer Society and Water Safety Ireland. Would this be any, would this be a Guinness Book of Records challenge, I wonder? Well, no, we haven't kind of aimed at that. I mean, look at my main focus is on those people who need help in our society, you know. No, and I, we see the fantastic, uh, we, 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 we see the Water Safety Ireland who need support from the community. Water Safety Ireland and the Irish Cancer Society have been there supporting the Irish population for a long, long time. Absolutely. You know, and you hope to raise a yeah. hundred grand for the two of them. And I'll finish up on that point. But are you enjoying yeah. it? I am actually enjoying it. There was one day I didn't enjoy, not so long ago, and my skipper would, would tell you this, I I unfortunately got a little bit of gastro, gastroenteritis, and you do not want to have gastroenteritis in a four-meter swell off the skellies. It's not a nice feeling. However, uh, anybody knows anything about gastroenteritis, they'll understand what I'm saying. And uh, the last time I got Hot it short. was 1984. 1984 was the last time I got it. Um, totally my own fault. I took some 
some water that was um, stored in the car for some time, and the toxins were obviously in that. But never mind that. That's only a minor detail. So you have, do you have a rib events. going along with you, or a boat for all of those? I do indeed. Yeah. And yeah, do you? Yeah, I mean, do, do you have any? Do you have any fish or whales or sharks or dolphins or anything swimming along with you? Yeah. Well, two things. Safety is the number one priority on the Finn Swim expedition. That's number one. Not just for me, but for the crew as well and anybody else operating with us. The second thing is in terms of the sea life, we've pretty much encountered almost everything that you can find in Irish waters, including Portuguese man of war. Uh, we spotted seven of those. One, the most, the latest one was uh, off not so long ago, about four weeks ago. You'll see the photograph on the, our website. A Portuguese man of war, photograph taken by uh, Graham Ferguson. Uh, from Kinsale, my skipper at the time, and uh, amazing to so see the them out there. Portuguese man of war. Sharks, blue the, sharks, hang on a second now. The Portuguese man of war jellyfish were off the yeah. Kinsale coast, were they? Uh, we're off Towhead. Uh, the, the ones we spotted, I uh, spotted a total of seven. Um, uh, during beautiful Mediterranean-type weather, by the way, when we were coming down along the coast at Towhead, just not, not far from the, the beautiful and amazing Fastnet Rock. Yeah. Uh, Thank God they, they, uh, don't the come, most, they don't come ashore, though, do they? Well, there's, there's no guarantee they won't. Of course, they, they do sometimes drift in onto the shoreline, you know, but you do see them out a few miles out at sea. Um, you know, none, none of this sea life, I believe, people should fear. You know, they should keep a distance from it. Just remember, sure. yeah. that, uh, as human beings, we're operating, operating in their environment. Correct. And, uh, we yeah. must respect that. What, yeah, else we must you, respect that. what else have you met with besides those? Uh, blue, shark, blue sharks, uh, orcas off in the North Channel, uh, fin whales, minke whales, uh, grey seals, of course, they in Sea Cove and in the Skelligs. What what a what a fantastic global iconic uh, landmark seascape uh, on our beautiful on the beautiful uh, Kerry coast and of course the Fastnet Rock. I mean, what what wonderful icons we have out there. People are aware of them, but maybe not enough people are aware I of them. Know. Neil, you know, you must be incredibly it's, fit, it's, though, are you? I'm I'm in good shape for 57 years of age. I, I feel great, you know. I feel great, and I do a lot of training, and I have done throughout my life. And you know, um, I I have grandchildren, and they tell their dad, you know, you should be out there, not granddad, you know. It's so incredible. So you wouldn't find that boring, like because there's always something no. new. Every no, day. it's extraordinary, and the the team, the team. You know, I believe in keeping physically and uh, psychologically very strong. I've done so all my life, and I help a lot of other people in doing so as well. And I have even on the team, we have fifteen of a team, a mixture of team from the website to social media. We have a physical therapist, Carolina, and she's just amazing. She oh, kind it's of, full on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorts out the, the muscles. You know, when they get a little. And bit you know, with each like swim, that. then what kind of time are we talking about? Would you be hours in the water at a go? Yeah, usually so anywhere between, uh, if we can't get an hour, uh, that was an exception the last day, last Sunday, was an exception. You know, when you get some about of, you know what, I mean, you've, right. got, to, you've yeah. got to then call it, yeah. yeah. So, but, uh, and, and especially when you're a couple of miles north of the Skelligs heading towards the Blaskets, what a beautiful coastline. And I, I felt so sorry having to leave it to go into the toilet. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, um, but, but to, but to, to answer your question, you know, 
Um, no, there's no boredom in this expedition. It's one of the most extraordinary events. I've done expeditions all over the world in the deserts and mountains and in the seas around the world. And this is one of the most, the most extraordinary one of all. And, you know, I always uh, knew about the beauty of the Irish coastline and this beautiful rock on which five million people live, approximately five million people. Uh, but, you know, I can't, uh, I'm not exaggerating when I say that we have one of the most beautiful coastlines anywhere in the world yeah. that would compete and equate to anywhere on this planet. And, you know, I want people to know that. And when do you, is doing that. Yeah, when do you expect to finish and to swim back to Donegal? I'm hoping, Neil, you know, with the help of the communities, for example, on the Cork Coast when we came to Ballycotton and all the way across um, to we went into uh, across the, 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 the Kerry bounds into Kerry, you know, the people along the coast and, and have been absolutely amazing. And without their help, I wouldn't be going anywhere because we have the most extraordinary mix of teams and expeditionary teams. Some of the most highly qualified people in Europe helping with this expedition. They're absolutely wonderful. Garrett Moran and uh, the likes of Graham Ferguson can say, I mean, they're absolutely extraordinary people, and we should appreciate appreciate these people. So, do you think you'll do well it in, in the spring community? or something, or maybe in the early in the yeah, new year? I'm hoping. I'm hoping, Neil. You know, we don't can't predict because it's totally weather dependent and sea dependent and storms. I'm hoping somewhere late spring, possibly okay. early or midsummer. Okay. But I, okay. I'm, I don't want to guess it. I don't want to second guess. I know? think it's a fantastic undertaking. Well done to you. So, if somebody wants to give money or to help fundraise for either the Irish Cancer Society or the Water Safety Ireland. How can they do so? They go on the website, which is finswim2020.com or on social media at finswim2020. And there's a campaign there at the moment to help with our, you know, costs and stuff, sponsor a kilometre along the Atlantic Way. Well people have already helped the team in that way. Well and we have amazing people, you know, in the like support McGee and the moorings there who are sponsoring some accommodation for us at the moment. And also um, the Skellig boat trips with Garrett Moran, uh, Garrett Moran, excuse me, uh, and, okay. and his team there, who, who, by the way, who braved the waters of the southwest of the, uh, the coastline to get me out onto my swim route. They took time off work. They volunteered, and it's all volunteers on this event. Okay. People like that are just salt of the air. Well done to them. So it's www.finswim.com. Yes. Good man. Neil, thank you very much and thanks to Red Good luck with it and stay stay well and we might touch base with you again when you're a little bit closer to your uh, homecoming again, you know? Yes, certainly. I would love that. All right, my man, take care. It's been fantastic and we listen to you all the time. Cheers, Henri. Take care, Henri O'Donnell, www.finswim2020.com. Back after the break, but just ahead of that so we can get our ducks in order. I'm actually going to kind of up the ante on this one. We'll take callers 20 and 21. This is worth a thousand euro voucher for Michelle Jewelers. 20 and 21. Diamonds are forever. All I need to please me. 1850-104-106. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Okay, all of the business will pick it up on Monday, I promise you. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868-104-106. And indeed, if you have a story to share, email neil at uh, redfm.ie. But our free food Friday winners for this week, courtesy of ourselves, an oak fire pizza. This will feed 15 of you. So let's see how we go with this one. It is. Thank you very much.
much. Morning to Claudia and everybody working in Healy's Bread Distribution at Mayfield Business Park. Love pizza and you're sorted. So it'll feed up to 15 of you with the hot piping pizzas and all of the sides. And if there's uh, too much for you, then share it with some other of the business in the Mayfield Business Park. So well done, uh, Claudia. Congratulations. Pizza for Healy's Distribution. Bread distributors. Uh, lovely bread. Fresh bread. Toasty bread. Lovely. Love it. Now, last bit of business today is a €1,000 voucher, courtesy of ourselves and Michelle, the jewellers. You can spend it on yourself, you can spend it on a friend or a loved one, whomever. But I highly recommend you spending it on yourself. And it's all to do with... Diamonds are forever They are all I need to please me So, you've got to play your cards right. And here is your host... Yeah, my last chance doing that. <laughs> Forgive me for overindulging. Veronica Walsh is in Ballyfeehan. Veronica! Hang on a second, let me back together. There you are. Veronica, a little birdie told me a secret. Do you want to know what it is? Oh, don't. <laughs> I was told that you lost your wedding ring. I did, yeah. You took it off because it was too tight and you can't find yep. it. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, we didn't lose a plot in fairness when I told them, but... Oh, my God. Have you been everywhere and anywhere looking for where you might have left it? Well, it has to be somewhere in the house, but I just don't know where. Where did you, la- <laughs> where did you last have it? <laughs> if I knew that, <laughs> I, I could find it. it. The unit somewhere in the sitting room, but I just can't find it. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, yeah, we might- did buy them originally, Michelle, 26 and a half years ago. Oh, my God. You might win a grand and might be able to replace it. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, it'd be fabulous. All right, okay. Hold on there, then we'll see how you get on, all right? Jason Carey's in Mallow. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Like every good man, you just give the thousand euro voucher to your wife, I'm told. Is that right? Yeah, my partner, yeah. I'd give it off for Christmas. It'd be her Christmas present. Okay, you don't feel like just giving it to Veronica, do you? Because she lost her wedding. (laughs) (laughs) If I'd done that, I think my missus would kill me. That's the problem, yeah. You would if you could, but you 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 can't. No, no. Okay, guys, I have only the diamond cards from the pack. There are 13 of them. The ace is high. And because Veronica was first caller, she gets to pick the first card. So, on that basis, pick a number between 1 and 13, Veronica. 13. The last one. So, just my hand onto the back and see what we get on. Ooh, that's an interesting one, boys and girls. The nine of diamonds. Mm. Hmm. So, it's not... The Jack, the King, the Queen, or the Ace. It's not even the Ten, it's the Nine. So, gives Jason an opportunity, I hear, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. So, Jason, you have to get better than the Nine of Diamonds to give your wife a 1,000 euro factor for Michelle. You also will destroy Veronica's opportunity to get to replace her wedding ring. Pick a number between 1 and 12. I'll go on my son's age, number 7. 1, 2... Three, four, five, six. Ah! It's the Queen of Diamonds. Oh my God! Congratulations. I never thought I'd feel sorry for somebody losing a competition as much as I do for Veronica. No, no stress. You just need to keep. You need to continue dragging the house apart. I know, yeah. Are we going to take another visit to Michelle's anyway? Well, listen, go in and see Tim Keane and get a discount off and tell him I sent you, all right? Yeah, just from Tim we bought them when we bought them originally.
Yeah. He's a very charitable guy. You never know what he might do for you, Veronica. Let me know how you get on in there, all right? All right. Thanks a million, Liam. Bye. Take care. Jason, I am delighted for you, and I'm delighted for your wife. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Are you going to give her the voucher, or are you going to go in and buy something? Um, well, I, I wouldn't be that great picking out stuff now. She might like it, so I'd probably just give it to her for I, herself. I agree with that, actually. I think jewellery is very personal. So the two of you go in with a thousand euro and just enjoy whatever you buy, all right? Oh, so, delighted for it, Neil. Thank you so much. Okay, Jason. All the best. Thank you so much to Michelle for coming on board this week. We had a lot of fun. Regards to Veronica, I hope you find your wedding ring. 26 years ago, you bought it. It would be nice to see it back on your finger. And Jason, enjoy the voucher. Happy Christmas to everybody. Our lines will stay open at 1850 104 106. You can text 0868 104 106. Most importantly, have a good weekend. I'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.